What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 69, yeah, yeah, of Ready nice. Press Play. <laughs> Your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, go to readyplatenetwork.com or just hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is May 7th, 2021, and I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host. Well, is it that way? Mr. Dan Lima. <laughs> I can't even, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that... Uh, you know what? It's it's There you go. That way. It's because the thing is, it's really weird because sometimes I, my, my camera be inverted, so sometimes like left is... This is my left, and then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least, are you are you one of those people that can tell left from right, or do you know where left is and where right is? Oh no, I know where left is. I'm left-handed, but the thing is, like, uh, okay, okay. At least you got it. You're left-handed, Louis. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's because like Discord is really. I'm on Discord. My uh, my OBS is really weird because sometimes I have my camera angle inverted and sometimes it's not. You know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cool, anyways, cool. well, glad to be here. Glad to have a have a we have a packed show today. Plenty of uh, interesting stuff to be talking about. Um, some interesting special topic of the show as well coming up. Lewis's yes. idea. I approve <laughs> of it. Excited for it. Um, and yeah, just uh, just excited to to do another one of these. Yeah. So just uh, as a separate side note, because we're doing episode sixty nine of the podcast, I decided to wear a very very like ex- like explicit ass shirt. So. Oh yeah, I couldn't even tell what it was. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Let me. I. I I want you inside me. Where did you find that? Okay, so for those listening at home, Lewis has a Kirby shirt that at first glance looks very innocent, but then it says, I want you inside me, which I had. I just realized I'm not wearing my glasses, by the way, but yeah, I had to just quint a little bit and like increase your window in my computer to be able to read that. But where did you, where did you, where would you find that? I was at a convention. I think it was at like uh, SGC back when uh, Screw Attack mm-hmm. was their own convention before they got like you know, shoved into a closet at RTX. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, that, yeah, cool. whatever. Anyways, look, Dan, I, pleasantries aside, we, we don't have time for that. We have too much show. We have, we have too much uh, show to get through. So let's just go ahead and try to speed run so many topics. All right, first up is Temple of Time. All right, so for Temple of Time... You know, it's like it's the beginning of the month. We we do this every month where we uh, talk about the anniversaries of all the months or for all the years for like five, ten, fifteen, twenty, etc. A lot of video game uh, news that we have, we got to cover and so many releases. So let's go ahead and first start things off with the uh, five year anniversary. So with five years, we have uh, May of twenty sixteen. Uh, this is like the big news story that happened. It was Avalanche uh, Software shut down. They were shut down by Disney. Uh, Disney Infinity just crumbled. And, uh, yeah, and then Disney was no longer making uh, their own video games and that they were going to license to third parties. That's how we got, like, Marvel's The Avengers, et cetera, and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like uh, making first party or making it, you know, in-house is better than licensing it out. I mean, granted, you know, so there, there's, there's, there's give and takes, but I think really you – I think you're better off doing both, but whatever. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like the strategy has has worked for Disney since then, right? Like, I, I would go. I don't. I mean, I can't think of 
on the top of my head of all well disney owns everything now so like you know if you think of all the star wars games and all of the the you know uh, marvel related games and stuff that came out i would go as far as to say that the the, their success rate and the quality of the titles has probably increased since they decided to go that route but i i i could be wrong i could be generalizing i don't know I will say that I remember when that happened, and I I have a particular level of insight in this because Heavy Iron Studios, which is the studio I used to work for before, and uh, one in which I interned actually all the way back in 2013, they were one of the co-devs partners working on Disney Infinity. And that studio in general actually has had a history of working with Disney and all sorts of stuff. So uh, they worked on a lot of Disney Pixar tie-in games back in the day. Um, And I remember it was so crazy to see that you know, Disney Infinity was like this big hit. And then they shortly after did Disney Infinity 2. And then they did Disney Infinity 3. And to me, looking from an outside perspective at that point, because I was there when they were making, I think, the first Infinity, but then they kept just working on it for the next few years. Uh, From an outside perspective, to me, it looked like things were going well. Like, you know, these these games are big, they're selling a lot. Otherwise, they why would they keep making them? Um, and then suddenly it was almost like it was like a bubble that popped or something. Um, and I think that that's kind of what was happening with the whole Toys to Life thing at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, very, very few of those have actually survived to today. I mean, the Amiibo have survived, but they, they've kind of taken another form now, right? Like, I feel like Nintendo is no longer really focused on, you know, the, the in-game tie-ins yeah. anymore. And just the figures themselves. They're just, yeah. yeah, they're just kind of putting them out as figures. And, and uh, I don't think that's going to keep going for much longer either. I think they're going to finish the smash line and 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 then they're probably going to have you know a few special ones here and there and it's probably going to be it true yeah uh what's it called mm-hmm. uh, all those uh disney infinity figures man they're like really really cheap at a at a used game store by the way yeah next up we got battleborn the flop that is battleborn <laughs> that was uh gearboxes right gearboxes um was that randy pitchford hero Yes. Uh. Yeah, the the hero shooter, they were kind of going after the... I mean, Trends. I was going to compare it to Overwatch, but Overwatch happened this year as well. Overwatch was also 2016, but yeah, they. I feel like it was one of those things where maybe they came out like too close to Overwatch, and Overwatch just kind of ate out the oxygen for that genre. Um, and so, yeah, Battleborn was just one of those, just like, um, what's the other one? Paragon also, you know, has a similar fate. Um, I think Radical Heights, I don't even know if that one actually came out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember, I remember what was going on at that time frame. It was like before the battle royales were a thing and dominated the world. It was, it was the hero shooters and the, you know, the, MOBAs, the shared uh, world experiences and MOBAs and all that stuff. Right. So, yeah. Uh, next up is super hot. It came out on the Xbox one. Surprisingly, I didn't know that that was when it released. I thought it was a, a PSVR title, like, or whatever, but you know, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is a pair of Uncharted games. Uncharted Fortune Hunter came out for the iOS and Android. Completely forgot that that even existed, by the way. I didn't even know that was a thing. Is that like a gotcha game or something? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's, it, they, they it sounds it, like it. They released it in tandem with Uncharted at Thief's End for the PS4. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, next up is the 2016 Doom. And then it was... Damn, this was a good year. <laughs> yes, it was. Homefront, The Revolution, wow. and then finally, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutants in Manhattan. I think I think it might be... Not the, just a good year, but uh, I was going to say a good month in the year. Um, well, Uncharted 4 is, uh, is, is... What I remember most about that game is just how visually impressive it was at the time. Um, I felt, it felt like we had never seen a game that pretty, even, even back in the trailers, you know, I remember seeing like the first few trailers for Uncharted 4 and that was what next gen was, you know what I mean? Like that was our perspective on next gen at that point. It was like, cause the first, the first year of the new consoles, we got like 
um it was like dragon age inquisition and um what's the other game shadow of mordor and then we got a little bit after we got like witcher 3 but at least to me at the time i remember that those games didn't particularly feel that next gen yet and it was when uh we saw the trailer for uncharted 4 that we were like oh shit that i remember i looked at uncharted 4 as like that's gonna be the first true like impressive next gen game um taking the most out of the console um at least that was my perspective at the time i don't know if you if you agree yeah, I just I like the the Madagascar level. It was really dope as fuck. Uh, I just remember mm-hmm. it being like this this beautiful vista and stuff like that. It was a lot of uh, I remember like those like slow motion shots where like you sort of have to like pause and like you know do the camera mode and rotate and see like the mud on his pants and all that the textures and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some next level ish, and uh, uh, it's just too bad that I think it's really it, it's really hard to chart to top Uncharted two and three. It's like. You know, you have to basically do the same uh, action sequences that you've done before instead of, like, creating brand new ones, which is hard to do. I don't, I don't even know what you could have done, to tell you the truth, because they did everything. They did planes. They did horseback riding. They did, you know, cars and swimming. Yeah. yeah so, anyways. I don't know what what the deal is with Uncharted 4, but I just I just find it a little bit forgettable um, compared <laughs> to the other ones. Like, I... For some reason, I just don't remember that game that well. And it might, it might be like, you know, the time frame that I played it, the mind space I was at. I don't know. I think the game was doing a lot of cool things. You know, there are a lot of references to the previous Uncharted games. And I think they they tied the bow nicely at the, at the end and all that stuff. But overall, I don't I, I really don't remember that game that well. I remember the beginning and the end and not really anything in the middle. True. But All right. Next up, 10 years. We're going to talk about um, May of 2011. And that's uh, for kick things off here with Motorstorm Apocalypse for the PS3, Thor God of Thunder for the Xbox 360, PS3, Wii, and Nintendo DS. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I hated, by the way, when deals DS <laughs> games were like not the clearly not the same game and stuff like that. There's going to be a worse version yep. of this later on. Okay, let's keep going then. Uh, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, the video game, came out on the 3DS, the Xbox 360, the PS3, the Wii, the PSP, and the DS. And then MX versus ATV Alive for the Xbox 360 and PS3. Surprisingly, I didn't even know this, but Terraria turns 10 years old. I thought it was uh, wow. a little... Uh, I didn't think this was that old. Yeah, it originally came out on the PC. And then like in 2013, it came out to like uh, consoles and stuff like that. So also turning 10 years old is LA Noir for the PS3 and 360. Uh, then we got The Witcher 2. Yeah, the Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings on PC. And then Dead or Alive Dimensions for the 3D, 3DS, Dirt 3 for the PC, 360, and uh, PS3. And finally, rounding it out, is Kung Fu Panda 2 for the PS3, Xbox 360, Wii, and the DS. This was such an interesting era of gaming. Um, this and a few years before that, um, we saw a lot more uh, licensed games coming out to consoles. Um, which we don't see as much of anymore. I feel like you also had, you know, these games that were would come out in uh, in all the platforms available, even if it didn't necessarily make sense. <laughs> now, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but it's just funny to think of like these games that were coming out on, you know, PS3 and Xbox 360 that had like, you know, the the best hardware at the time, but then also, you know, the Wii, which had worse hardware, but then also the PSP and the DS, you know, and these games existed across all these different platforms somehow. And I remember that that was not that uncommon of a thing for you to see with some of these, especially with some of these licensed games, you know, they just wanted to get everybody. Um, And I I, I never really played a lot of those, honestly. Um, So I don't I don't relate to a lot of the games here. I will say a few things. I remember when The Witcher 2 come out came out. And uh, I I know that The Witcher 3 kind of the, the, the Witcher franchise blew up for the for the rest of the world, especially the console world with The Witcher 3. 
but um, I was around a lot of people that were into The Witcher 2 when that came out. I remember hearing about that game a lot. Um, and I remember the main thing I remember is that people were so into the fact that the game had like this branching path where relatively early in the game, you had to make a decision. And depending on your decision, there were two completely different games that you could end up playing. Um, like there was this whole narrative path and then there's uh, this whole other narrative path. So the idea is you had to play the game twice to, uh, kind of experience both paths. Um, then, you know, that are live dimensions, never played that, but that reminds me of the early days of the 3DS where really there wasn't a lot <laughs> else going on. And there was just like these weird, like 3D ports of other games and 3D versions of, uh, you know, other games and stuff. Um, and shout out to LA Noir because despite the fact that I never beat that game, I did spend some time with it. And I, I think that game is, um, not necessarily underrated, but definitely underplayed, probably. Like, did not it, it doesn't really get talked um, talked about much. Um, and I, I thought it was... It, it had a lot of good things going for it, and good tech as well. Yeah, uh, L.A. Noire, surprisingly, it's still being sold by Rockstar, like, straight up. It's been ported to the PS4 and the Switch and everything like that. It's just a game that sort of... I feel like it stood the test of time as far as, like, you know, consistently feeling yeah. relevant, I would say. So, congrats to them on that one. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. And this is the part where I, uh, I, there's a worse example of it. But uh, 15 years ago brings us to uh, May of 2006. Uh, so, starting things off, we got NBA Ballers uh, Rebound for the PSP, Rise of Nations, Rise of Legends for the PC. Now, what kind of title? It's like they couldn't even like decide on which title they wanted, so they <laughs> put both of them in there. <laughs> rise of nations yeah, rise that's of legends funny. <laughs> uh but i would say the big headliner would be new super mario brothers for the ds uh now this is the one that, that really got me going right shout here. out this is the one that got me yeah. going as far as like the worst example of it x-men the official game which is a uh it's got hugh jackman on the cover and he's uh it takes place between x2 and x3 so like it's an official tie-in game hmm. that bridges the gap between the two movies and it, That's came, interesting. it came out on PC, PS2, Xbox, the GameCube, the 360, the DS, and the Game Boy Advance. Like, That's awesome. What the hell? <laughs> but you know what, Louis? There's also something about that particular year. Um, and maybe you could say the same about 2007. That, that was It's like such a transitional year, you know? It's kind of like... It's almost kind of like 2020, really, uh, like 2020, 2021. I'm sure in the future we might look back at that in similar ways, too. Um, but because these transitional years in between generations, that was like, you know, that was the end of the PS2, Xbox, GameCube. But then the 360 was already out. The Wii and the PS3 were in the horizon, you know, about to come out in a few months. Mm -hmm. You know, I bet this game might have been ported <laughs> later to some of those as well. <laughs> And then you also had, you know, I think the DS was like a new console was at that time, but the GBA pillar. was still yeah. relevant. It's supposed to be yeah. the third pillar. I remember that. And so they, it's really weird. It's it's like, okay, first off, I read the Wikipedia on X-Men, the official game, and apparently like Hugh Jackman and a bunch of other movie actors actually voiced uh, their their characters for the game. And so what's really weird is like, you're not going to get that voice acting on a Game Boy Advance. I can tell you that much. So it's like, <laughs> it's really weird that the Game Boy Advance box art is the same as the as all the other consoles like a box mm -hmm. art. And it's, it feels like a lie, you know, but yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they were able to get like a close enough experience to the game, but I, I don't know, man. I just, I kind of like that. There's something that I find cool about it. Like this idea that this game can come out and exist in all these different platforms <laughs> and you play a slightly different version of the game in each different platform. You know what I mean? Seven, um, seven platforms released at the same time. <laughs> 
And, and you know what? You know what? At that pe- at that time, they were not bitching about it. <laughs> you know, about <laughs> having to put their game on all these different platforms, and it was harder. You know, I'm I'm speaking a little bit out of my ass here. I know I'm a developer, but I you know that doesn't mean I know everything about everything. I, I there's a lot that I don't know actually, but um, I know I I think it's safe to say that it was harder to port a game at the time to PC, PS2, Xbox, GameCube, 360, GBA, and DS than it would be now when we have engines that were built to, you know, package your games to all these different platforms. You know, if you're making your game in Unreal, Unreal is already set up to get your game um, packaged and and released for all these different platforms, right? So there's still a lot of challenges with it, but it's like it's easier now than it was then where you were were working with all these different APIs and et cetera. So um, props to them to to being able to pull that off, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and Unreal is like you can play it on mobile and like iOS and Switch and all these other stuff, like so many. It scales. Yeah, you're right. Um, next up, we got the Da Vinci Code, which is a tie-in game. Yeah, you know that because the. By the mm-hmm. way, I want to say that uh, I was I did I did a, a, sim- a similar segment on on the Ready Play movies, and so I remember I like reading the the Da Vinci Code and like Shrek, the, uh, you know, coming mm-hmm. out in theaters and stuff at the same time. So it's kind of funny, you know, doing the segment again like the same week, and it's like talking about the same movies, the same games. We're, we're probably gonna have a Shrek game coming up here in a few months, maybe if it's not in this month yet, which doesn't look like it is. It's in the next um, one because I think that got yeah yeah it's that got the, tie-in games as well. Yeah, it's in the next yeah. one. Um, so we got, so the DaVinci Code came out on PC, PS2, and Xbox. Um, Jaws Unleashed came out on PS2 and Xbox. Monster Hunter Freedom came out on the PSP. Now the all-time classic game, Rockstar Games Presents Table Tennis, came out on the 360. That's 15 years old. Uh, and then, uh, rounding it out is Hitman Blood Money came out on PC, PS2, Xbox, and 360. And then also... Surprisingly, I thought this was an X Men game, but X Two: The Threat came out on Linux, and apparently it's it's a space simulator game. It just happens to look like X Two, like X Men Two, you know, whatever. <laughs> you, you know, Louis, I have a very small anecdote about the the table tennis, Rockstar table tennis. I never, um, I never played that game. I didn't even know it existed until much later. But in 2013, I had the opportunity to interview for a job with Rockstar San Diego. And I looked up, you know, I, I always do my research and I, you know, before an interview with a, with a company. And uh, when I was in the phone with them, usually sometimes the first the first kind of contact you have with a recruiter, they're they're t- telling you about the company and stuff. And, and uh, they might ask a few questions about, you know, general stuff about you. But um, I remember it came up like they were talking about the games that they had developed and me trying to be a smart ass and, and having done my research uh, when I was obviously much younger. I was like, "Oh, don't forget about the table tennis game," <laughs> in the on the phone with them, and they were like, "Yep, yeah, that's right. We uh, we got we did that too." Um, just a crazy, you know, it's such a crazy trivia fact that that uh, that Rockstar developed a table tennis game randomly, you know, among in between GTA's they and uh, and uh, Red Dead Redemption later and stuff like that. They made a table. Tennis I could have sworn that anyway. they basically made it like the best table tennis to ever table tennis. Is my understanding. I think it's a good game, yeah, as far as I understand. Yeah, so now we're going to pivot over to 20 years, and this takes us back to May of 2001. Um, so first off, I'm gonna got, I, got, I got like a couple of news stories here for you. Sega announced that it will no longer develop home consoles to focus on game development. The Dreamcast is discontinued in May, but games including Sonic the Hedgehog will continue to be released. And then next up, Activision acquired Treyarch. 
And then finally, longtime arcade developer Midway Games announced it was no longer going to manufacture arcade games. Midway Games was like the owners of Mortal Kombat before, like you know, it became like this own NetherRealm mm. Studios thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, those are the news stories. As far as releases go, I would say the big headliner was probably going to be Mario Party Three for the Nintendo sixty four. It's like this is late in the N sixty four life cycle. The GameCube was about to release later that year, and uh, a lot of late late N sixty four games didn't have high print runs. Um, next up, Crazy Taxi got ported to the PS two because of the aforementioned news about the Dreamcast being discontinued. Uh, Project Justice, which I hear is a very cl- uh, like uh, like a gem, like a hidden gem for the Dreamcast, got released. Uh, Atlantis: The Lost Empire: Trial by Fire came out on the PC, and that's a that's a tie-in game for a movie, an animated movie. Uh, Red Faction came out on the PS2, and then later that month, uh, because Crazy Taxi came out on the PS2, I guess they were using that as an advertisement because Crazy Taxi 2 came out on the Dreamcast. And finally, uh, rounding it out is Shrek: Fairy Tale Freakdown, which is the tie-in game of all things. You decided to make a make it for the Game Boy Color. Not even for consoles, Interesting. but they made a tie-in game for the Game Boy Color. I guess it's because it's targeting kids or whatever, but whatever. Eh. And then also Spider-Man 2, The Sinister Six, came out on the Game Boy Color. What a time, Dan. Anything to say about this? Um, Don't really have much to say about any of those games, actually. I mean, it's it's interesting to think that it's been a full 20 years since Sega left the console market, effectively, right? Like, it's... It, 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 I'm, I, would, I would be willing to say that a significant percentage of gamers right now never saw a Sega console, right? Because, like, <laughs> even I, like, never really played much of a Sega console, actually. Um, you know, I had, you know, either Nintendo or Sony consoles growing up and stuff. And, you know, now this actually, now that I, I, I think about the timeline, that, that makes sense. I mean, Sega was done with consoles by the time I was five. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I don't really have much to say either beyond what I've already stated. Um, I do. I haven't really played much of Mario Party Three because the one I played the most was Mario Party Two, even though I own three. Um, but yeah, uh, again, again, I think we talked about Red Faction before on a previous uh, Temple of Time, so I know that's a series, you know. But uh, yeah, all right, let's go ahead and move on to May of 1996, and this is the shortest one because it actually fit in one line on our dock. <laughs> <laughs> so Me- Metal Slug. Uh, came out for the arcades in April of, of 1996, but like like literally the end of April. And in the beginning of May, it came out for the Neo Geo. So that was essentially the dawn of the Metal Gear, uh, the Metal Slug, excuse me, the Metal Slug series. And next was a, uh, I guess this experimental game that id Software decided to make. It's called Final Doom. It came out for MS-DOS. And finally, Nintendo decided to make some uh, Kirby game called Kirby's Block Ball for the Game Boy. The regular Game Boy, not the color. But uh, yeah, that's it. Just three titles. That's that's very, very uh, slow yep. pickings there. But I guess it's May. Uh, it's not really like one of those seasons to be releasing stuff, I would say. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, nothing to say there beyond that. So let's go ahead and move on to uh, May of uh, 1991. That's 30 years ago. And it says here, uh, there were no new releases of games, except for this one random tidbit I was able to find and dig up. It says here that uh, Sierra Online releases the Sierra Network, which is also credited as the first graphical MMORPG due to its inclusions of, inclusion of the Shadow of Yeserbius. Uh, the Sierra Network would later become its more memorable name, Imagination Network, after a total buyout from AT&T in 1994. 
don't know any about any of this. I never heard of the Imagination Network. I never heard of any of this, but yeah. there goes some history for so, you. Yeah, because of how young I am, I don't have a lot of, you know, uh, attachment to any of the Sierra games, but I know that they were pioneers and and the precursors on a lot of on a lot of stuff, so so that makes sense. Okay. Oh, damn. I guess the, the, congrats. I didn't even know. Um now, before either of us were even thought of, uh, 35 years ago, uh, May of 1986, uh, I found a Japanese release. Uh, nothing came out in America, but uh, before uh, Square and Enix merged to become Square Enix, it was just Enix. So Enix releases uh, Dragon Quest for the Famicom in Japan, which is usually considered the foremost Japanese role-playing video game and is the very first in a series that has been phenomenal phenomenally successful in japan so congratulations uh dragon quest you're now 35 years old and still still a relevant series you know it's still a relevant series putting out new games that are getting positive critical acclaim and good sales like dragon quest 11 is is to a lot of people one of the best jrpgs out there so shout out to that not a lot of franchises can can hit that right it's like it's some of the older nintendo franchises and 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 some others but there's not there's not that many of them all right. And uh, 40 years ago, no news stories, no releases happened in May of 1981. But uh, near the dawn of gaming in May of 1976, that's 45 years ago, it says here that Atari releases Breakout, whose prototype yeah. was designed by Apple co-founder Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak to video arcades. And uh, we 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 know about Breakout, by the way. Like if you if you used to have a, like a BlackBerry, it used to come with a, a brick yeah. breaker, brick breaker, and like and so it's like it's literally that. It's like um, it's yeah, that that's awesome. This game has had like a lot of different like iterations, and, and you know names. there's Arkanoid yeah. as well, and it's in names, and it's just it's kind of like you know like your old like Snake game on the phone, or even something like Tetris, right? It's just it's just like this iconic game that that can. Um, I don't know that I feel like everybody has played in some way in some version, unless maybe you're a Gen Z or something. But <laughs> at least people our age, I'm sure everybody has experienced. And it's you know it's a great formula of a game um, that just is fun as hell. You know, easy to pick up, hard to master, and it surprises me that we don't see more of those today. I feel yeah. like it would be fun to see more uh, modern, you know, modernized breakout games <laughs> with the with new mechanics and stuff. Yeah, I, I like. I, I wonder like how they did. Uh, you know, all the other break like you know breakout clones have not been able to like. I don't know. It just seems really weird because it's like it's the same mechanic and stuff like that. Is there like any trademark kind of situations where like you can't like you know imagine like somebody making Tetris but not calling it Tetris. That's kind of what it feels like to me when you make a breakout right. but don't call it breakout. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I I think it would be cool. I mean, you know, they probably own the the rights to the name, right? But I. I think it would be cool if uh, if somebody did like the Tetris effect treatment to Breakout, you know, and we had like a Breakout effect that you know was you could play it in VR and it had awesome music and graphics and etc. And it was just Breakout. Yes. <laughs> uh, damn, I can't believe it's forty five years old. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, our game impressions. Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about here. Um, I guess we, since we have so much show here, let's just make it quick here because I only got two things to talk about. Number one, plug, shameless plug, twitch.tv slash readypressplay. Go watch us play It Takes Two. Uh, we're getting closer to the end game, I would say. I think we're like, what, I think um, two streams away from finishing the game. Not this next stream, but Probably. the stream after that, yeah. I would say we're going to finish. Um, uh, it's definitely a delight. I don't know. As it, there's the, the, I'm just going to say really quickly, uh, 
I don't know if the game was wearing off on me or whatever, or like the, the or it just the story took a turn for the worse and made these characters like despicable. But yeah, <laughs> there's a uh, I don't know. What do you think? I've, I don't know. I feel like it's all in good fun. I know I know why you're saying that, but I feel like I, I like the sense of humor of the game um, and the way that it's kind of playing around with us. I will say that. I, well, you know, I don't want to get too into it because you know, I, Spoilers, I don't want to say something yeah. that I'm going to regret later or or even spoil anything. I will say that because the the game keeps going, I feel like maybe the the magic is starting to wear off a little bit, but I feel like it's going to come back. I feel like, you know, it's it's all about just getting into the next section and getting the new set of mechanics and seeing how that True. gets implemented, right? But um, there is something to be said about the sweet spot of like the six hours of a way out, right? Which I'm pretty sure we're already past that with this with this yeah. game. I think we're eight um, hours in already. Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe it would have benefited from being a little bit more like consolidated. I don't know. Like, but I I'm ha- I'm having a, a blast so far, dude. I I like this game a lot, and I think it's gonna be a I, I I think it's 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 for sure gonna be on the short list for a game of the year for me, especially when I typically only play like a handful of new games every year. Okay. All right. Next up is uh, a game that I'm reviewing for Level One Gaming, and I haven't put a review out just yet because, you know, I don't like to uh, uh, review a game without finishing it. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get into that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But uh, I'm not under embargo or anything like that to talk about it. Apparently, I think it's already out, so there's no due date. Uh, I was originally planning on having the review out this past Tuesday, but I haven't had a time. I haven't really had time to sit down and play it. Um, now let me guess: Is this a visual novel? No, no. It's okay. a it's a Japanese as fuck uh, fighting game, like an anime fighting game. Oh, okay. Um, what's the name of the game? It's called uh, Tuhu Hiubana Antinomy of Common Flowers. Okay. That that just markets itself, really, if you think about it. Like, <laughs> that's such a weird name. Uh, yep. Like, it's, yeah, uh, I don't. <laughs> if I had I had to look up the definition of antinomy. Um, it's apparently it's a. Uh, it means like it. It essentially means like a um, a paradox. It basically it means a what is that word I'm looking for? Like an oxymoron kind of thing. Where mm. um, antinomy is like the is whenever you have two conclusions. Like if you reached a conclusion here and a conclusion here, and they're both logically sound, but the conclusions they don't they're at opposite ends of each other. So if you reach two conclusions mm-hmm. that don't um, gel with each other, that's an antinomy. So. Interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's really weird. A really weird thing to like name your game. I would say um, the game also doesn't make a good first impression. Now I also got to take this with a grain of salt. This is not a review right now. My review is forthcoming. I've only played this game for thirty minutes, uh, so I've only had like very limited exposure to the game. Uh, but I'm not really liking it for the most part. Um, uh, there's there's a cool mechanic that they're doing where you uh, can like swap between two characters so like when you're fighting somebody you can sort of like just like with a snap with like a snap of a finger you can just sort of transform into the other character and have a different move set so you can you you share one health bar together but you can like sort of just you know phase shift and like you know kind of like uh when you press down b for like uh uh pyra and mithra for smash brothers hmm. i would say um so that being said, uh, the the fighting is very simple. Like there's, it's a bunch of one button moves. So like you know, you press one button and you do a projectile, and then it's sort of like instead of doing like quarter circle forward and like doing some command inputs, you're either just pressing like the button or you're just pressing forward and the button. Kind of like Smash Brothers. It's kind of like trying to be very easy and very simplistic. I'm not really feeling it because they're trying to do like. You know, they're trying to be like, you know, Street Fighter or Marvel vs. Capcom with like their flying around mechanics and stuff like that. But they're also trying to be Smash Brothers with the simplicity, like like dive kick kind of thing. And it's just kind of, 
I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't really gel well for me. I feel like there's no, um, you know, like a competitive meta for me, like at least not from not from what I'm looking for in a fighting game. But otherwise, I mean, it could be very casual, but it's it, it seems very weird because uh, it doesn't seem to be doing a very good job of sort of like bringing you in because I the first thing I decided to do was start the, uh, the, the story campaign. And then the story campaign itself kind of just seems like it's in the middle of a story. You just sort of, it doesn't really like set up the world or anything like that. And on top of that, it's, uh, I don't know how, how I feel about like, you know, seeing this as a criticism, but it feels very cheap. Like there's no uh, voice acting, there's no cut. Well, the cutscenes it's just very text based, like kind of stuff, and you're supposed to be reading it, and it doesn't feel very engaging to sort of read it in my head without with no voice acting, sort of like giving me like a feel for what these characters are supposed to sound like or be like. So yeah. Uh, Quick questions: Is this is this an indie game of some kind, or is, is this developed by a, a developer of fighting games that has made other fighting games, or is this you know like a new team's first attempt at making a fighting game? Do you know anything about that, or no? No, I don't. I don't know. I usually get press kits whenever I uh, get a code, but I didn't get a press kit for it. Uh, I just got sent the code, and so I would have to like review and like look up this, the developer myself here. And I'll probably do, I'm all, I will do my homework, of course, when I write a review because I would need to know that. Uh, but just again, like this is just me purely like playing the game and jumping into it for like 30 minutes. Um, and again, I'm, I'm like naturally inclined, new players are going to naturally inclined to go to the story and you know, that's, that's like things like injustice and like, uh, they do a good job of like, you know, getting you in and getting you acclimated. Like, and if you think about injustice and mortal Kombat, like those NetherRealm studios have dope ass stories. And on top of that, each of their first chapter, like chapter ones are good tutorials of, of like learn, getting you into the mechanics and learning like the very basic, uh, fighting stuff. And then like the, it gets a difficulty scales as you go into the story. So I don't know. It just, eh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. All right. With that said, let's go ahead and move on to the battle bus. So for the battle bus, uh, there's two, well, three things I wanted to bring up. Number one, there's a brand new Batman skin in Fortnite. Um, it is, uh, I've always wanted Batman, but it's not, it's not the Batman I wanted. They're not bringing back the, those, uh, like Christopher Nolan Batman or whatever in there like they did before, but, uh, it's, uh, it looks like it's, uh, it, he kind of looks like the Ben Affleck Batman from the Snyder cut where they're in the future and like things are like gone to shit. So he looks like, uh, like nightfall Batman. Uh, they call him uh, uh, Zero Point Batman is what they call him here. And um, yeah, I went ahead and bought him with my V-Bucks that I had. And it's uh, he's dope as hell. And there's apparently some kind of like cro uh, comic book crossover. Apparently you can buy the comic book and there's like a code that you can use to put into Fortnite and, you know, get some digital items or something like that. I do yeah, it says here each Interesting. Print, each print issue of Batman Fortnite Zero Point will include a redeemable redeemable code for a bonus DC themed Fortnite digital items inspired by the events in the comic, uh, starting with the new Rebirth Harley Quinn outfit. As an additional reward, any player who redeems all six codes from each comic book uh, issues will unlock a new armored Batman Zero outfit. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess uh, Fortnite and comics is basically uh, crossed over and. You're, they're like incentivizing you to buy these comics so you can get some some Fortnite's uh, swag. So what do you think? Yeah, the truth is, I feel like everybody wants in uh, with Fortnite, right? Like every, the, the Epic is just making so much money with this game. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on with the new story that um, everybody wants a little piece of the pie. And I feel like all these partnerships that we keep seeing, it's not just 
epic, you know, you know, bringing these these characters and these franchises to uh, so that they can sell more skins and also make more money. But it's also all these other companies uh, wanting to make money off of it too. you know, wanting to sell their comic book, wanting to, you know, make their, the cut they probably make in these um, skin sales and etc. Uh, so we're just probably going to continue to see that until some other game dethrones Fortnite and, and takes its place. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. And then uh, picking up uh, on the next story is uh, there's uh, apparently there was some app, uh, some shenanigans what happened where um, there's like the, the lawsuits that's going on. And so some dirty laundry has been like sort of leaked and stuff. Uh, we'll talk about it more some later in the news. But just for as far as the battle bus goes, um, Epic Games uh, had some plans for including Samus um, as well as other skins like The Rock. Um, this is all through like the internal document stuff that has been going on. It says here, Samus, uh, Naruto, Katniss from the Hunger Games, the Bride from Kill Bill, Snake from, uh, Metal Gear Solid, and John McClane from the Die Hard. Uh, these are stuff that they were like looking into or seeing if they can get the license to make a skin for it. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned about Samus because like, that means like whenever, this goes to show that whenever, uh, Kratos and Master Chief, you know, got dropped like, you know, within a week or two of each other, this goes to show that they were originally planning on doing a trifecta where it's like PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo because if if Epic was able to somehow pull off the Samus uh, deal and boom everyone would have been happy and stuff and then Nintendo wouldn't have felt left out um, if anything like I would say that would have been beneficial to uh, to to Epic as well because uh, we saw like the pie chart and we saw how little market share or revenue split that Nintendo's bringing to the table if they managed to pull that off I bet you Nintendo fans would have been like you know buying this on their Switch or whatever so yeah. Um, my guess is, uh, my guess is Nintendo was the one that didn't want to make that happen. Um, but I just want to, I just have a quick correction here. The the Snake character is not Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Ah, um, Escape from LA. If you look up yeah. that name, yeah, it, it's from a uh, from some movie series. I'm not, I'm actually not familiar with that. I'm that familiar series, with but. it. Uh, Snake, a Snake Plissken. That's uh, Escape. That's Kurt Russell from these movies called Escape from New York and Escape from LA. Uh, they were from mm-hmm. like the the eighties, I think maybe even the nineties as well. It's like the two movies, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so here's the here. Uh, this list is is cool. We just let, let's just unpack it for a second. So okay. Samus would have been awesome, but obviously, uh, you know, Nintendo can be kind of picky with some of the stuff. So I'm guessing they they were probably the ones that didn't want it. Uh, Naruto is nuts. Like that would be <laughs> that would have been really cool. Um, I almost like that more than Samus, but at the same time, like Naruto holding a gun that that would be weird. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, that's that's weird that that didn't happen. I and I, honestly too, like nowadays, it would make more sense for them to do Boruto instead, um, since that's the show that's ongoing, and and Naruto, the character itself, is like an adult in that show, and uh, I'm sure the kids nowadays, if they're attached to any of these characters, they're probably more attached to Boruto instead. Um, Katniss from Hunger Games. I wonder why that one didn't happen, uh, because that one makes a lot of that that one is one that i feel like i can't see what the impediment impediment would be um and it would have made perfect sense alongside you know aloy and and lara croft and all these other characters that would have been great bow and bow and um, arrows and stuff yeah yeah and 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 you know the bride from kill bill that would have been cool too yeah um basically anything and everything is possible so you know what's kind of yeah. more, I, I would say more likely is that at some point maybe all of these comes to to, to fortnite minus samus or whatever but you know uh, we'll see. I wouldn't. We'll I wouldn't. See. And with also uh, with the anime skins that were happening in, in Fortnite with the cell shading, you know, Naruto can see, totally easily fit in. That's true. That's true. All right. My uh, last thing that I wanted to cover on the battle bus is 
uh, I think I talked about it last week, how I just spent $80 and got like 13,000 V-Bucks. And yeah. uh, by the time I, ta- I reported myself and outed myself, I was down to like 5,000 V-Bucks. And now, <laughs> one week later, I'm out of V-Bucks. <laughs> I've got like four or 500 V-Bucks left in my account, which is really nothing, really. Um, and yeah, I don't know how, what I'm going to do, because it's only, today's May 6th, the day of recording, and I have like 25 more days left in the month of May. <laughs> And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, is this, how, am I going to will myself and just like let like a dope ass skin, like let's say uh, Hawkeye just drops in the, in the store and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, I don't know. You know, the funny thing, Louis, is that, so when people were getting really into collecting Amiibo, which I think you did as well, uh, and I'm pretty sure, are, are you the friend, are you the friend I have that has all the Amiibo or at least all the Smash Brothers ones? Yes. That is correct, right? Okay, so th- something that I heard people talk about, some of the people that were collecting Amiibos, is like they were questioning themselves, like they were buying it for the collection, but they were like, I don't even care about this character. Why am I even buying it? And uh, <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, certain people can get into the collection mentality and then they just want to have everything. It's not about having the ones they like. It's about having everything. And I feel like you got to be a little careful. And I, I'm just kind of putting this out there in a, in a serious manner so that you think about it in your head. Like, are you buying these skins, these skins because you actually really like the skins? Or is it a matter just that you feel like you got to have, for instance, with Marvel, right? Like, do, do you really like all these heroes or do you feel like you got to have all of them? Like you gotta can, have all the Marvel heroes. I can one hundred percent vouch that it was it was more of to com- have a complete set versus any one of them. Like for instance, I didn't care about like Domino or whatever, but I got her because she's a Marvel character or part of like you know X Force. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Like because like to me, like there's how many? I mean they probably had like I don't know like fifty different Marvel characters on. Uh, on Fortnite already like to me there's only like four or five that i would consider like you know like actually like really cool characters to get like i don't even consider hawkeye that i mean hawkeye everybody makes some fun of him for being you know the the avenger that nobody cares about like you know what i mean (laughs) but just the fact that that would be something you consider like a hype skin to me shows that like it's it's less about the characters themselves and it's more about the collection aspect. So just yeah. want to leave that out there. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I like having a complete set, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know what? Shut up, Dan. <laughs> you, know, you know what? You know what's gonna happen? You're gonna get all jealous when you whenever we do eventually play Fortnite, and I'm like showing you all of my skins and my little Rolodex. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not like that. I, I mean, I understand. I understand your point, uh, and I'll probably buy a skin eventually. I still have not bought a single one, but um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like that. But yeah, I get it. All right, <laughs> let's go ahead, and I'll keep. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted about whether or not I crack or not. But I'll try. I'll try to will, <laughs> will myself. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the news. So for the news, we got five items on the list here. First up is a uh, a bit of an opinion piece and so there was um uh some uh, a guy his name is mike uh diver he goes by uh, mike d on twitter and uh he's got a bit of a hot take that basically let the like lit the internet on fire and it reads remember that you don't need to be good at games to write about them or stream them or even make them you don't need to finish a game to review it to publish an opinion and score most of the time, we don't get that time. Whenever I see the usual suspects use these points to attack, uh, as reasons to attack individuals, it shows how little they know about the industry they're supposedly champions of. 
It's pure pandering, grifting to an audience of hatred, so far from meaningful commentary and criticism. See this? It's Fantasyland stuff. Countless devs can make their own games to a standard these folks will deem talented. A review is an experience. It is not a guide, a walkthrough, or a product description. Nor is it a bizarre flex of prowess. This stance is drivel. And it says here on the, the, the screenshot, I only judge these people because being talented in games is a must if one is, making, if one is going to make a career out of reviewing slash playing uh, games like this. Um, so yeah, that was his, uh, his little Twitter thread here. I believe there was more to it than this, but um, let me see if I can find it. And it says here, uh, it's the same bizarro logic that says it's all that says all football pundits and writers must be must be uh, internationals. Otherwise, their opinions are worthless. Eh, I don't know what that means. But with that being said, Dan, uh, there's this is a bit of a yeah, this is a bit of a can of worms. So what is your first ori- original um, initial gut gut reaction to this? All right. So uh, first thing I want to say is that it's kind of funny to uh, to say in the beginning when you open and this is not me calling you out. I just, I just want to make a point. Um, oh, like, and this, this blow up and set, you know, um, set the world on fire or whatever. I don't remember your exact quoting. And then you look at the actual amount of interactions on the tweet and the tweet has like under 500 comments and like 700 retweets. So it's like altogether, there's like at most like 2000 people that maybe interacted with this tweet. It, it did come into my radar as well. It, I saw it in my feeds and et cetera. But it's kind of funny to think that it's like the, the, the setting the world on fire is more of like a bubble kind of situation. <laughs> like it, it set or bubble on fire, right? Like or bubble of like the 2000 people that uh, that saw this and interacted with this in some way. I mean, 2,000 that interacted, potentially way more that saw it, but regardless, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's not that many people. It's really irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, but it's still a fun discussion to be had. Now, here's the thing. I already know, because I know you pretty well, I already know what opinion you're going to have of this. Um, and I also know, like, kind of like a lot of the general takes about it. I don't fully disagree with this guy. And here's my, like, potentially controversial thing to say, because... I think to me is all about the transparency and the upfrontness about it. So um, I would hate to read a review of a game expecting to find out whether the game is good or not, whether, you know, it's something worth buying, whether it's something that, you know, it's uh, matches my taste and uh, believe the review. And uh, it turns out that whoever reviewed it only played 10 minutes of it, only got through like or only got through like 25 percent of the game or something like that. Um, That's not what I want. But at the same time, if somebody writes a review and says straight up, hey, first paragraph, I only played 25% of this game for this reason, and here's my take on the first 25% of this game, I think that's fair. I think because I think somebody can still be entitled to have an opinion, even if they have not completed something, especially with games where the commitment can be really long. So the point, the, my point being, if a game is 100 hours long and I played it for 20 hours and I think it's pure garbage, I don't think my opinion is invalid because I didn't beat the game, right? So that's kind of my my take on it. It's like, I feel like there's some gray here. I feel like, you know, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of black and white shouting about the situation, but I feel like there's some gray that I kind of understand where he's coming from. So, yeah, I mean, there there's a... Uh, I can sort of see where he's coming from because, like, I have some evidence to sort of back them and stuff like that like i've reviewed games and stuff um for level one gaming and i have had actual um 
I actually kind of sort of knew what the score was going to be halfway into beating the game, and the second half of the game didn't change it for me. Um, it's really weird because, like, if when I think about the idea that, like, let's say, you know, The Last of Us 2 is, you know, 40 hours, and let's just say I only... I only, uh, you know, beat the first 20 hours, you know, leading up to the, leading up to the moment where we started like flashbacking to, to Abby or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would have a completely different take on the game, you know, you know, I would just assume, oh, okay, we're just going to like get back to this and then the game will wrap up and that's a third act kind of thing. I don't know. It just kind of seems really weird that, you know, you could have a, you know, that's, you could have a completely different perspective on the game because another character can just get fleshed out in the second half of the game or something, you know, narrative wise can change. Um... So that being said, like, I think me personally, like, I don't think, uh, I think in the sense that you don't have to beat the game is in, in the sense of you don't have to have a platinum in. You don't need to have a completionist run in order to have a review of it. I think you just need to, like, beat the story, beat the campaign or something like that. Just sort of, you know, do you do enough, uh, you know, due diligence. You know, if it's an open world game, you know, you can mainline it and not, you know, and just sort of sprinkle in some side quests and don't clear and check the entire map off and you don't need to do all that i don't think that's really like necessary for a review you know you're just sort of just reviewing yeah. the product and stuff like that so i think as a general you know term as in general term i think you should try to have a, a, a finished game uh whatever mm-hmm. whatever definition that means per, per game basis to to review a game because you're reviewing the wholeness and stuff like that um you know it's not like i'm gonna watch like um half of titanic and then you know, you know, it's a three hour movie and then just say, OK, that's, uh, you know, I'm going to review this movie based off of like an hour and a half of, of what I've seen. No, I I saw that comparison be made and I understand where that's coming from, because um, that, you know, when we think about that with the with the movie, that would be that would be ridiculous. Right. But let me let me throw another comparison in there. What if a show has two seasons and you review the first season? Right. So like that's totally acceptable. Right. Even though a show in its entirety is a better comparison to the length of a, a, a typical AAA game in a in a lot of ways. Um, so I feel like I guess it's all about terminology at the end of the day. Um, I saw I think it was Lucy O'Brien, some of the stuff that she was talking about it that I uh, that are responding to it. I thought was very interesting. And she said, you know, you should name it a review in progress. Uh, if that's the case was something that she said. Uh, and she also said, I have this tweet pulled up here. I worry that generalizations like this encourage a perception of half-assed measures, even though I'm sure there is more nuance in what you're saying. Um, so it's, I feel like there there is a lot of nuance. I feel like generally, you know, a professional website that is trying to professionally review video games should pursue a situation where all of their reviewers have enough time uh, to actually finish the games that they're reviewing and, and so that they are able to share a perspective on the game as a whole, because I, because that is a better review for the most part, you know, a review that, uh, that it has all the data to base things off of, as opposed to um, only part of the data. But the only point I'm trying to make is that I don't think a commentary, uh, like a partial commentary on something that is typically as long as a game can be is uh, useless or it's like, it shouldn't exist. Right. Um, and going even with your example of the last of us, you came in, while we were playing The Last of Us last year, and you shared impressions, right? Which is a different word than review, but you shared impressions week by week as you went through the game. And I don't think those impressions were invalid. I feel like those impressions were just as valid, even though your overall opinion on the game changed by the time you finished it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You're right. Um, 
I like I think as far as like review and progress and impressions and stuff like that, like there are many times where like I even see like Game Explain, like Game Explain had an embargo of a review that was due, but what they ended up doing was because they were like, you know, trying to crunch or whatever, they didn't want to like crunch too much. What they did was they changed it from review to review in progress so that way they can get something out in time. And also it's yeah. it's also a situation where like put the publishers are like really they're kind of bad because they kind of sort of, you know, give the codes out, you know, too close to like the deadline or whatever. You know, instead of, you know, giving these publications like a week to review a game, they can give them two weeks, uh, which I've seen something talk somebody, uh, uh, people talk about. It's like, oh, you know, we don't we don't want to, you know, risk, you know, leaks or whatever or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that in, in general, I mean, you can just sort of, you know, do what you uh, I think it's up to like the writers to do what they need to do as far as like owning up to it, as far as, you know, being transparent and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the transparency is the most important part, which I think we can both ag- agree on, right? Like whether whether you call it out on the first paragraph, whether you hold off on scoring the game, which I think that's important, actually, especially for an outlet where that score is going to go on Metacritic and stuff like that. Um, you know, IGN has done it before where they'll split a review in parts. I've seen that, too. I think it's very interesting when they do that. Um, so I think there are ways to like navigate this, but the most important thing is that the writer is transparent to the audience, right? I think what the audience is concerned about and what most of the vitriol would be in regards to this guy's comment is this idea of somebody, you know, playing uh, 20% of a game, writing a review, scoring the game, um, and then not even making it clear how much they played of it, right? So, or, you know, leading to uh, misinformation about the game because of not being completely familiar with uh, with the outcome of the, the full story or the, the all the systems and stuff like that. So, um, fair enough. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next bit here. Uh, second story is regarding uh, Nintendo's uh, financial results. So, uh, in case you guys don't know, April 30th is the end, or yeah. No, March 31st. Here we go. March 31st is the end of the fiscal year for Nintendo, as well as other companies. Uh, and finally, here in May, they're, they're finally giving us the financial like investor call. Here's the results, and here's like the tallies of all the new games and software and projections of what we're expecting to do for the next fiscal year. And so uh, here is the headline. Nintendo reports a record full-year profits as Switch nears 85 million units sold. And despite forecasting decline, the platform holders expects to uh, the console to beat the Wii's 101 million lifetime sales this year. Uh, it says here, and this is this comes from Games uh, Games Industry ah, Games Industry Biz, written by James Batchelor. It says here, Nintendo enjoyed its most uh, profitable year to date, thanks to COVID 19s boost and the ongoing success of both the Switch and Animal Crossing: New Horizons. The platform holder released its financial results, uh, which showed which uh, showed operating profits rose 82 percent year on year uh, to about roughly 5.9 billion dollars. Um, ordinary profit was up 88% to $6.2 billion. Uh, the previous high was the gross of $4.6 billion reported in March of 2019. And uh, let me just sort of skip uh, around in this article. It says here that Nintendo sold 28 million uh, Switches during the last year, and which is up 37% uh, from the previous fiscal year. And so now the total uh, console lifetime sales is 84.59 million units. Uh, of the of those sales, uh, of the 28 million sales, 14.7 million were uh, Switch lights. Um, 
and yeah, I believe there was an update to like the the, the rankings and stuff like that. Uh, but it says here that Nintendo highlighted five key titles, which was led by Animal Crossing New Horizons. The game shifted 20.9 million units uh, during the last fiscal year, bringing the total sales up to 32.6 million. Good for second place. Um, behind uh, Mario Kart 8's Deluxe at 35.4 million. And uh, it says here that Super Mario 3D All-Stars uh, sold 9 million units, and um, which was thanks to uh, Nintendo's limited lifespan of just six months. And also Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury uh, started off strong at 5.6 million units with uh, 4 million uh, sold through to consumers in the first six weeks. And I believe that is more than the total lifetime sales that Super Mario 3D World sold for the Wii U. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I let, let me stop you there for a second? So, I edited another article under this bullet point on the dock if you want to pull it up, just because I want to bring up some things from this. So, Im- Imram Khan. Um, which writes who writes for fanbyte uh, media also covered the story and he had some interesting uh, you know things and context that he put together uh, and I just kind of wanted to go through some of the stuff as well um, so he said uh, to put that in some context as far as the sales of the switch 85 million units that means the switch has outpaced both the Wii and the PlayStation 4 in the same time frame aligned to their launches it also likely means, assuming Nintendo hits their bare minimum Switch goal this year, that the system will be the fastest selling console to hit 100 million units. Um, then later on, they go through, you know, like all, he goes through all the games, and there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Like Animal Crossing New Horizons is on track to sell more units than all of the other Animal Crossing games put together. Uh, it hasn't quite hit that yet, but it, it is really close and is about to hit that, and will definitely will this year. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Star, so 9 million units in that time frame. Very short time frame, uh, which means that that game is is selling roughly almost 50,000 copies a day during the time frame that it was available to sell. Uh, it talks about the sales for 3D World plus Bowser Fury, which at this point, uh, it, it it is just a little bit short of the Wii U one. But the fact that that's just two months of sales or even less, actually... Um, that's still pretty insane. I mean, by this point, I would, the data is from March 31st. So by this point, this game has definitely outsold the Wii U one. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold 10 million copies just in one year. And it has a lifetime of 35 million. So just one year of that game is more than, uh, what any game sold on the Wii U in total. Um, and only a few games on the 3DS have surpassed that that the number the number of the yearly sales of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, Pikmin 3 also sold more than any other game in the franchise. Um, Super Mario Party sold super well with an additional you know 4.7 million units during the pandemic. Ring Fit Adventure, this is a fun one, sold a lifetime total of 10 million units, making it the best selling new IP RPG of this generation. The best-selling new RPG of the generation is Ring Fit Adventure. (laughs) That sentence is insane. (laughs) And uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, in the fiscal year that we were just talking about, sold 5 million units. And that is more than Street Fighter V has sold combined across all of its different versions of permutations in the five years that it's been in the market. Jeez. So, conclusion here being Nintendo is just killing it this generation. It's insane. The 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 sales numbers that they're getting for these games are are crazy. Yeah. Um I believe uh 
there are now 11 games that have sold over 10 million units. And uh, yeah. that means that if, in order to get into the top 10, you need, a, you need to be this high to ride kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and ten million units—that's a really high. Like you know, it—it it almost ex- seems low yeah. when you look at like thirty-five million for Mario Kart and thirty-two for Animal Crossing. But a lot of games, a lot of big AAA games, did not hit ten million units in sales. You know, that's a hard number to hit. Yeah, I think you only—it's only reserved for like Call of Duty and like the EA Sports games or whatever. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like you know, those—it's—it's it's for the juggernauts, right? Yeah. Exactly, and now and Nintendo just got them in spades. <laughs> yeah, like, like who would have thought that you know Ring Fit Adventure, um, you know, it would would sell, uh, basically you know Call of Duty numbers and stuff like that. So yeah, it's all right, pretty crazy. Uh, let's go ahead and and move on here to the next story on the list. It says here uh, Nintendo is making a new a new IP. So. It says here, Nintendo's next uh, Switch game will let you develop your own games. Game Builder Garage comes to the Nintendo Switch on June 11th. And it says here, Nintendo will release uh, Game Builder Garage, a new game that will let players make their own games. Uh, The company announced on Wednesday, like WarioWare DIY, Super Mario Maker, and Nintendo Labo before it. Nintendo's next foray into do-it-yourself game development will give amateur game makers a colorful, easy-to-understand set of uh set of visual tools to program their own software game builder garage will teach players how to create their own game through fun guided lessons that cover the basics of visual game programming nintendo said in a news release no prior experience is necessary players will interact with creatures called nodon to build their games examples of which can be seen in the trailer um, and it says here that Game Builder Garage will feature a lesson mode where players can learn the basics of, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, it says here Nintendo will release uh, the game in June for $30. And uh, so, yeah, there's some screenshots uh, that I'll be running through while you talk. Dan, as a game yeah. developer, what are what's your first uh, thoughts on this? You can also let the trailer play out, although that sometimes makes us get, you know, uh, I don't know, like demonetized or whatever. And not, not even demonetized, but they'll they'll take um take down the video sometimes yeah yeah um but no this is cool and uh, it seems to me like there there's this trend for um game developing games uh being out and big right now which is really cool um obviously we had you know rpg maker back in the day and game maker has been around for a long time and uh, i used the software called scratch when i was a kid as well in school and there's always been these types of software uh but it's cool to see that it's not going away and if anything it seems like it's getting bigger it's getting more accessible obviously we got engines like unity and unreal that anybody can download and start playing around and making games i believe game maker uh is still prevalent and works in the same way uh, and then now you got dreams on the sony side which is a very um impressive game development platform on the playstation 4 which i hope they bring to pc eventually we got roblox which we never talked about on this show because you know, none of us really tried it, but it's also a similar kind of game making, game sharing platform that apparently the kids are all about and is really huge on the PC marketplace. Uh, and now Nintendo is going to have their own too. Now we're also going to have a game making software uh, for Nintendo. It's cool that it's kind of like being released for cheap $30. Um, I feel like I almost kind of wish that this was something that they gave for free with the Nintendo Online subscription. Uh, I feel like it make it kind of makes sense to be another one of those, kind of similar to uh, 
you know, Tetris 99 and all of these other games that they've been releasing that way. Uh, looking at the video, you can see there's a lot of variety in the things that you can make with this. It's not just a, uh, you know, like Mario Maker, you know, make your Mario levels. This allows you to make a few different types of games. I don't, I doubt that this is as powerful of, of a tool as Dreams is. Because uh, Dreams really does feel like a full-fledged game engine where you could theoretically create any kind of game. I get the vibe from the trailer that this is going to be more like... You know, here's here's the you know the the six types of games that you can make, and then you pick a template to start from, and then you can mess with that, and you know make your own uh, like art assets and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm curious to see how Nintendo is going to handle the whole like discovery uh, method for this, you know, the sharing part of it, because uh, they've been criticized in the past, especially from you know the the way they've handled Super uh, Mario Maker as to you know having good curation and good um you know sharing features for for these things um and also you know with being able to create any kind of game uh this allows people to do inappropriate stuff too potentially right like if they can create their own assets and draw their own sprites and etc uh so we're gonna see how nintendo is gonna crack down on that as well um yeah very 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 cool stuff though yeah um it's kind of funny that nintendo is like you know, I saw I saw a little parody of this on uh, on YouTube where somebody was like, "How Nintendo uh, makes games," and it's like uh, they're he's like he's like pretending to be like Nintendo in a boardroom, and they're saying, "All right, guys, uh, we need new IP. What's your thoughts? Give me some pictures or whatever." And then he's like, uh, "Mario in space," and they're like, "No, no, we've already done that." And I was like, uh, "Like Mario <laughs> Odyssey 2. He's like, "No, no, we've already done that." Uh, uh, let's take uh, Ocarina of Time and uh, Twilight Princess and and Skyward Sword, and let's just like release them as a bundle it's like it's like no 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 we're we'll, we'll we'll just how about we just release them in like three individual 60 dollars games and people will pay full price i'm like okay cool cool but we need new ip come on like and then everyone's pitching game like games and sequels and stuff like that in this and he's like oh my god like come on we need something new <laughs> and then there and then the, yeah. the uh, executives like say all right you know what we're just gonna make the fans make their own new ip <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's a funny one um Dude, it's, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm very curious to see how Nintendo is going to handle this. The other thing I was thinking about is, like, are you going to be able to go in and make your own, like, Zelda clone on this? Or, you know, your own Zelda game of some kind? Or are they going to take that down? <laughs> I, I, I would hope they don't. But knowing Nintendo, you never, you know, you, you never fucking know. Um... But then the other thing, too, with Nintendo is, like, you know, the fans have these expectations of what they want from Nintendo, right? And sometimes they respond to the expectations. More often than not, they don't. And then we get disappointed. And I've been burned many times as a Nintendo fan, you know, being hyped for something that then I wouldn't get over and over again until, honestly, I've kind of let go uh, a few years ago. Uh, which is why I'm not, you know, constantly bringing up things like Metroid Prime 4 anymore and etc. Because I'm like, you know what? It will come out when it comes out. I'm not even anticipating it anymore. But there is something interesting, though, that I want to talk about for a minute, which is the the whole uh, Nintendo doesn't make new IP narrative, which I feel like I've been hearing that a lot ever since the Wii days. Uh, you know, people have really criticized Nintendo for rehashing a lot of the same IP over and over again and not making new IP. And the truth is that that's such a wrong statement because Nintendo is one of the, between the big three, I feel like they're one of the companies that is the best at making new IP and making it successful. However, the new IP that they make are not the kinds of things that the Nintendo fans that keep asking for new IP would necessarily expect. Here's a few recent examples. On the Wii U generation, Splatoon. Splatoon is, it was a huge hit. It's still a huge hit. It's a franchise that's now going into its third um, title in a time span of like six years. 
or six or seven years. Um, and it's been this, you know, worldwide, like, um, sensation Phenomenal. in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. It, it's like an esports game and all that stuff. And it's, it's a big hit. It sold a lot of copies, right? Even though it started on the Wii U, which was a failed console. Then you look at things like, you know, the Wii Sports franchise on the Wii. Like, that was the, that was the biggest game at that time frame. And that was a new IP. That was not, a, you know, an existing IP. You look at now, you know, Ring Fit Adventure. We we're just talking about how that is the big new IP RPG this generation. Um, so they are constantly making new IP. It's just not necessarily the shit that people expect, right? Hmm. I think yeah. I think Splatoon is the shit people expect. I would say I would classify it as a, as that, but uh, okay, definitely like Fair Labo, enough. Ring Fit Adventure. You know, those mm-hmm. are things that are like kind of like feel like stuff like that is very experimental, like uh, like Metopia. Like those are. Those are like a yeah. lot of like their new IP tends to be like stuff that's like 3DS caliber. Like here's some here's a small project like Box Boy. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I, I think when people ask for new IP, they're asking for like a Mario Odyssey, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild caliber new IP launch, kind of like uh, Horizon, you know, Zero Dawn. You know. But you know, so. the funny thing is, like, we need to put ourselves in the minds of Nintendo a little bit because that's not how they look at the world. I feel like the way they look at it is like they look at a game like Horizon and they go like. Oh, if we make a game like that, we already have a franchise for it, which is Zelda. You know what I mean? <laughs> if we make a 3D platformer, we already have a franchise for that. It's Mario. If we're making a 2D platformer, it can be Mario. It could be Donkey Kong, right? If we're making a racing game, it's Mario Kart or it's F-Zero, even though that hasn't happened in a while. Yeah. If we're making a 3D space shooter, that's Star Fox. So Nintendo, like, they don't... Nintendo is not the kind of company that they want to, you know, like Sony, you know, make the same game over and over, but with a different set of characters and narrative, right? Like, which I know that, that, you know, I get it. That's an oversimplification. I just mean the sense that, like, you know, Sony makes a lot of third-person action-adventure, um, you know, story-driven 3D games, right? Like, versus Nintendo is more like, it, each game has to be a completely different idea than the other stuff. You know, otherwise it doesn't justify itself being a new franchise. And they like to reuse their characters a lot as well. So I feel like that's kind of where the difference comes from, too, right? Like, yeah, I feel like Nintendo probably doesn't see the need to yeah. make another Splatoon Zelda. came out came about because the mechanics didn't lend itself uh, to you know Mario characters or whatever, so they had a yeah exactly create a new IP. So that makes sense. Yeah, um, that all right. So let's go ahead and since we talked about Sony, let's go ahead and talk about some some Sony news. It says here that uh, Sony announces investment and partnership with Discord to bring the chat app to PlayStation. So Sony and Discord have announced the partnership that will integrate the latter's popular gaming-focused chat app with PlayStation's own built-in social tool- tools. It's a big move and fairly surprising one given how recently acquisition talks were in the air. Sony appeared to have offered a better deal than Microsoft, talking uh, taking um, an undisclosed minority stake in the company ahead of a rumored IPO. The exact nature of the partnership is not expressed in a brief announcement post. The closest we came to hearing that will actually happen is that the two companies plan to, quote, bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, Um, which is uh, at least uh, which at least is easy enough to uh, to imagine. So, yeah, let's go ahead and leave it there. Um, So PlayStation uh, having Discord built into the uh, into the actual like playstation hardware just sort of like kind of like how twitch integration happened and stuff like that i feel like i don't i don't know i just feels like it doesn't i don't think their money needs to exchange hands for these integrations to happen why can't there just be a discord app on the switch and then the and the xbox you know what i mean like it should just kind of like kind of like skype 
kind of thing. I don't know, but whatever. For what the for the simple reason for the simple reason that they're probably not just uh, not developing it, right? Like they, they there's probably for whatever reason within Discord, there's no interest to develop that. They probably don't think it's worth it, worth their money or worth their time or whatever. So Sony comes in and says like, "Well, we'll give you money to do it." And they're like, "All right." <laughs> Um, I feel like, but I feel like this opens a lot of possibilities. I feel like this is not bad news. This, I feel like this would be bad news if they made it exclusive to PlayStation or something like that. I hope they don't do that. Um, but you know, if they're giving their money to make the app uh, and make it work, make it into radar with PlayStation, I hope Microsoft and Nintendo look at this. Nintendo will definitely not do it, but I hope Microsoft looks at this and goes like, all right, we'll do the same thing then, you know, like we're going to acquire a minority stake and then can you integrate with Xbox as well? Cause I'll, that's what I want to see, right? Like I want to see more integration between things like Discord and all of the all of the gaming platforms, not just PlayStation. I'm just surprised that there isn't even a need for it. Like um, party chat on Xbox is dope. People like it, I think. So I, I will say mm-hmm. that the only benefit, I mean, a major benefit would be crossplay because if you're going to go online, you know, uh, with, well, Fortnite aside, because, you know, you know, cross chat, voice chat is pretty easy, but like, I would imagine that it's always a, a if you're going to be like in a discord server with somebody who doesn't also own a PlayStation, then it makes sense to have like a discord app on all your hardware. So that way you can talk to anybody on in platform agnostic so on the so you may not necessarily have like xbox live party chat as a as the only option depending on who you're talking to but otherwise uh generally speaking with these uh, walled gardens uh you know nobody was complaining about it now you know or then is what i was gonna say yeah makes sense okay so lastly dan uh yeah i'm gonna go ahead and pass the uh, the puck off to you here because you wrote an article in our doc which is uh, unheard of but go for it <laughs> Yeah, so basically, you know, there's there's this thing going on between Epic and Apple. It's been happening for a while, but the actual, you know, like, I, I guess is the trial or the, the court proceedings are happening right now, uh, which has led to a lot of stuff happening. I was looking for a roundup, couldn't find it, so I wrote my own roundup, uh, taking information from a lot of different stuff that I won't be citing here, but let me go through this. <clears throat> Earlier this week, court documents and reports were shared from the ongoing legal dispute between Apple and Epic Games. Since then, a variety of outlets and journalists have been scouting the information dump, looking for any interesting tidbits that could be worth sharing. This process has resulted in a variety of headlines and revealing of secrets, not just about Epic Games and Apple, but also about Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. To start, we knew Fortnite was making Epic Games a boatload of money, but now we have an idea of how much, reported Rebecca Valentine for IGN. Across all platforms, Fortnite made over $9 billion in 2018 and 2019 combined. I think it was roughly four million in one year and five million sorry, four billion in one year and five billion in the other. For comparison's sake, we recently learned that the whole PlayStation business had a record fiscal year in 2020 with a total operating profit of a little over three billion dollars. So Fortnite in a year makes more than all of PlayStation makes in a year with the uh, <laughs> um, with their record with, setting year. <laughs> with their record year, exactly. <laughs> If you're curious about Epic Steals for getting free games on the Epic Game Store, Simon Corliss from Game Discover Company has shared a lot of that info on Twitter. Some notable examples include $1.5 million for the Batman Arkham series and $1.4 million for Subnautica being the pricier transactions, while Inside and Celeste cost $800,000 and $750,000 respectively, and World of Goo and Super Meat Boy were some of the cheaper deals at just $50,000 each. Epic also tracks how many downloads and new Epic accounts were generated with each free offering, alongside other stats. Some interesting insights include A. Subnautica generated the most new Epic Epic accounts, followed by Batman Arkham series. 
B. Celeste was the most expensive game in terms of cost per new account. C. Most downloaded games are Batman Arkham, followed by Lego Batman, then Subnautica, then Metro 2033 Redux. And Simon also reported that Epic paid Take-Two $146 million in advances for BC Borderlands 3 exclusivity and recouped the minimum guarantee part in just the first two weeks. <laughs> Damn. As previously stated, these documents have also brought to light some interesting details about the big three console manufacturers. To start, Stephen Totilo of Axios Gaming has spotted an interesting detail about the contracts Nintendo has made with a publisher. A clause stipulates that any Japanese developer or publishers Nintendo works with cannot be tied to organized crime groups such as the Yakuza. According to Jordan Oleman from IGN, these clauses are fairly common in Japan and are known as the Yakuza Exclusion Ordinances. So if you're going to make deals with Nintendo, you can't be in the Yakuza, and they have that stated in <laughs> their contracts. When it comes to crossplay, many will remember Sony's initial hesitance in allowing developers to enable the functionality in its PlayStation platforms. We now have gotten some more info on those discussions through a look at an email exchange between Joe Kreiner, business development at Epic Games, and Gio Corsi, you guys might remember him, out at a time he was the Sony Senior Director of Developer Relations. You can read more about this through Tom Warren's report for The Verge, but in summary, Gio Corsi stated Sony had no interest in allowing crossplay as the company saw no financial benefit in doing such. Epic's representative replied saying that they do it in a way that made Sony look like heroes. They could collaborate on a PS Plus promotion and add some kind of Sony-exclusive content to Fortnite and ended the email saying, open quote, Epic's not changing its mind on the issue, so let's just agree on it now, end quote. <laughs> Epic That's swinging baller. the big dick around. Yeah. God damn. When it comes to Microsoft, we're fed a set of very interesting headlines. Andy Robinson reported for VGC that Microsoft had an internal review of The Last of Us Part Two, which stated that it set a new bar for what we should be able to achieve going into the new generation of consoles. The full review is available online for those who want to read it. Tom Warren also shared on The Verge that Microsoft had been planning to reduce its Xbox Store cut to just 12%, something that has now been announced for the Windows Store, as covered on last week's episode of this podcast. A document from January confirms that such a change is, or at least was, also intended to affect console games. On other news, and this is the final paragraph here, so bear with me, Nickstat reported for the website Protocol that the Xbox hardware business loses money. The head of business development at Xbox, Lori Wright, had been called as a third-party witness by both Apple and Epic, and as a part of her testimony, she stated, open quote, We don't, in a response to the question about earning profits on console sales, we sell the consoles at a loss, end quote. Finally, Rebecca Valentine from IGN reported about an Xbox presentation that included information about their competitors' high-profile releases. The presentation revealed Xbox expect expected Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, and Shin Megami Tensei 5 to be released for the Nintendo Switch between October and December of 2020, alongside No More Heroes 3 and Bravely Default 2, which we now know were pushed to 2021. So all this stuff has been coming out of the, the court proceedings between Epic and Apple. So so much of which makes no sense <laughs> why it would even <laughs> have anything to do with it. Uh, but it's been like this crazy dump of information. People from IGN and other sites just keep looking through everything, listening in to testimony and all that stuff, trying to find any headline that they can get. And we're probably going to continue to see more of that next week. Lewis, what are your thoughts? Wow, there's just so much to... There's literally so many different directions to take in and stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like... I don't know why, but it feels like uh, Epic is now like this this juggernaut powerhouse that like kind of like on that on that like ten cent level of just like our our money is big money kind of thing like that. And uh, it's really interesting that uh, Epic and uh, can so like 
like in a very cavalier manner can just sign off an email like let's just agree on it now and stuff like that it's like because we know we know we'll win kind of thing it's like it's kind of crazy they 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 know they have the leverage i read the email in full and it it was like it was crazy to think that that's how they that's how they do business it was very uh i don't want to say it was it was not unpolite but it was very like stern you know what i mean it was it was very rigid like hey like, because you, of course, he was like, we're not doing this. You know, Sony doesn't see any benefit on this. Um, and then Ep- Epic just replied with, like, this this big email, a bullet point list of, like, hey, here's everything we're going to do for you. So we're going to do it. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> they they affirmed it. You know, they, they didn't end it in a question. They ended it in an affirmation. Um, so I don't know. It showed a certain level of, like, confidence there that I, I, I feel like I can respect. Right? Like, I feel like some people will look at that and not like it. I feel like I can respect it. Um but yeah, you know, some crazy stuff. Uh, it feels like some of the stuff is coming out because um, Epic's argument is that it makes sense for console manufacturers to charge a 30% fee because they sell the consoles at a loss and all this other stuff, but that it doesn't make sense for Apple to do that um, in their store in comparison. Because I, I feel it's like so, Apple's yeah. argument yeah, Apple's argument would have been, oh, it's the same as the consoles. Why are you complaining, right? They sell so, their phones at a profit. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah. i didn't even think about that wow that's uh that's insane also this is the xbox being sold at a loss that is the first official confirmation that the xbox consoles are sold at a loss because we we knew that about playstation but now we know that for sure about xbox as well i'm not surprised i mean i feel like the xbox yeah. series s is the one that's killing them the most you know i would say that's probably like the case and then of course the same would think with the playstation 5 digital di- digital edition um also i just gotta say that with nine billion dollars, you don't really have to care about how much uh, how much uh, uh, each again, a free game of the week is costing you because like that. It's kind of crazy how that still it feels like one point five million dollars is pennies compared to yeah. you know the how much money no. they've raked in. I I look through the whole table and like you can see pretty much there oh like how much all of the free games cost for that time frame is like twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen I think um or does that make sense Yeah, I think so. But it's. It's so cheap, really, like compared to like how much money they're making. I mean, they gave everybody Insight and Celeste for free for under a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like those are beloved, you know, game of the year contender games, game of the year winner in some outlets. Um, And they were able to just give them for free for paying them under a million dollars. And yet when you divide, like I said, you know, Celeste was the most expensive per um, new account. Which is like if you if you get the money they spent and you divide by the accounts that they got, that's what I meant by that. Like that one turned out being the one where the new user, because they had on the table that I was looking at is like a spreadsheet. They also had they basically took these deals and divided by the amount of new accounts to figure out how much any new user cost Epic to get a new user on the Epic Game Store. Um, and it's different for every game because for some games they spent a little bit of money and they got a shit ton of new users. So it's like, oh, users are worth like five cents for in that situation. But then with like Celeste, um, I think with Celeste, it was something like each new user costs like 10 bucks or something because they didn't really get a new, a lot of new users. Surprised that Subnautica apparently is like the biggest one, actually. There's the yeah. Batman Arkham as well, but that's a, a lot of games. So that makes sense because they're probably adding up all the different games. But um, yeah, with Subnautica, I didn't know that was that big. And yeah, Subnautica is not exactly one of those like you know S tier uh, games that you would think to you know brings the hype. I will say like Subnautica was one of the very first 
free games. Like when Epic first started, I mm-hmm. think it was like week five or, you know, like it was very early on. Um, I do remember that being like, you know, cause like my Epic games, the list of games that I owned on my Epic launcher was very low. Uh, and also it's, uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm surprised like in this roundup, you didn't have like, you know, GTA five numbers. Cause I know with GTA five, it crashed the Epic game store because of how, how many people were trying to download that game. So I feel like that one wasn't on the, on the list that I was looking at. So I don't know it if it was something with the timeline or yeah. I think it was 2020, so yeah, it might have probably been a cutoff situation. But also, it's, shout out to Borderlands 3 for making that money. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, I can't believe like that they got a game. I mean, granted, those are old games, but like, can you can you imagine that they got a game like Super Meat Boy for 50k? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, that they were... that. But, you know, the truth is like, you know, a game like Super Meat Boy, nobody's buying that, right? So like, to them, they're like, yeah, sure, I'll take 50k, you know, like the the their indie devs and stuff it's you know it's hard to uh it's a grind to make money as an indie dev so i you know i don't begrudge them for it but it's it's crazy man um i feel like some of those indie devs now need to look at these lists i hope they're looking at these lists and being like huh so you guys gave a million dollars to subnautica and you gave us like fifty thousand, <laughs> you know and they're i hope that they're gonna get better at negotiating future deals that's that's oh. one of the po- one of the positive things that i hope comes out of this no, I think the worst one would have been like you gave Celeste eight hundred thousand, but gave us fifty because <laughs> they're they're similar yeah. like flat wall, you know, wall jumping platformers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but that's <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, which, by the way, I'm surprised all this stuff is just coming out and that you know they're just cool with it. I don't know if they are cool with it, but it comes across like you know it's just dirty laundry. Yeah, like yeah, it's it just all like, just out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I, I wonder. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense for Microsoft to do an internal review of The Last of Us, by the way. I think it's really, it's weird. I mean, it makes sense to keep tabs on your competition, but I'm just surprised that they would want to do like their own like little, uh, you know, postmortem on, you know, your competitor's game. It's like, all right, let me buy this game and let's, uh, let's play it and let's, let's see what we can like uh, learn from it. <laughs> Dude, there's like a, there's like a full review on it. That's like, as long as, you know, website reviews and stuff. So it makes me wonder, I think they probably do it for like every, they probably do it for like every first party PlayStation release, I would guess. Um, and, and use the findings and the, the information to, to base off decisions for their own, you know, other games. Um, if they do the twelve percent, by the way, the thing the twelve percent um, rate for console games, uh, that will be pretty big news as well. Like that will be such a huge incentive for developers to want to, you know, uh, make their games run on Xbox before they make them run on on anything else and and focus on that platform. Um, and it's also interesting to think of like you know where Microsoft expected Nintendo games to be coming out. I wonder if they had information or they just guessed it. You know, because mm. both. I think both are equally possible. Um, yeah, I also like that it's counting out perfectly. Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, Shin Megami Tensei Oh, you're 5. right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's beautiful. I think, I feel like you sub- you subconsciously like wrote it that way in that order. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't even realize it. But yeah, uh, I feel like that's, we've had, that's a whole, that's a topic of the show <laughs> that we got to. I've, I've, yeah, we got too much to go, so let's just go ahead and keep it pushing. We're already an hour and a half in. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and hit, the, hit up the extra news here. Uh, so number one, Sony has registered a trademark for Sunset Overdrive. IP, uh, IP is owned by first-party studio Insomniac Games, which is originally developed as an Xbox exclusive and published by Microsoft. 
<laughs> so number two, Sony will reportedly start production on a PlayStation 5 hardware redesign in 2022. Featured a, quote, new semi-customized 6 nanometer CPU from AMD. Number three, Konami, ah, Konami has stated its interest to reinvest in console gaming, but it won't be at this year's E3 due to not having much to show yet. Number four, the director of Witcher 3 resigned after he was accused of bullying colleagues. Number five, the information published um, a report noting that John Justice, VP of head product at Google Stadia, has moved on from Google. Number six, EA has confirmed that the Series X can run the Mass Effect Legendary Edition at 120 frames per second, while the PS5 will run the games at 60. Number seven, a software engineer uh, job listing indicates that a new Fable game is being developed with a Forza engine. Number eight, PlayStation has pat patented an Uber-style real-time help service with users able to call in expert players to guide them through challenging game sequences. Number nine, a fair, uh, a pair, excuse me, a pair of paid skin packs has been released for Doom Eternal despite pre-launch assurances that the game wouldn't include microtransactions. Number 10, Terry Crews has demanded the localization of Mother 3 on social media. And finally, number 11, Xbox now has almost 100 games benefit benefiting from its FPS boost feature, which allows older titles to run at up to 120 FPS on the new console. So yeah, that's a lot of extra news. Uh, there's a lot to react to. I'll let you go first. Yeah, all right. So let me let me go down this list here. So uh, number one, potentially Sunset Overdrive coming back. I know a lot of people love that game. It's kind of a cult hit. I don't think it's sold, uh, you know, gangbusters, but pretty much everybody that's played that game loves it. And I don't know if Insomniac has time for it, honestly. I mean, this could just be a PlayStation uh, registering the trademark so that they have the IP. I have a feeling we'll see... The not a new game, but the same game that came out on the Xbox One in some kind of remastered edition on the PS5 at some point later down the road. Um, and I was surprised to see this because I thought Microsoft owned the IP, but apparently they didn't, uh, which I think that's a mistake on Microsoft there not being able to, uh, you know, to uh, what is it called? Like to, to keep that keep the IP in the house, basically. Yes. Um, and leave it with the studio instead. Uh, number two, the PS5 redesign. At first, I was like, what? Like a PS5 Pro is coming soon? But it seems like this is more like... A PS5 um, not Slim, a I would say. <laughs> yeah, like not necessarily a PS5 Pro situation. I actually think it has more to do with the shortages that they've experienced um, so that they have like um, a new, like a different hardware SKU that they can do um, that will not be affected by the same shortages that are affecting the the main SKU. Okay. Um, let me see what else. Number three, I got nothing there. Number four, I got nothing there. Number five, yep, Google Stadia seems to be in trouble still. Um, I just got to say, with regards to Stadia, it seems I've been seeing a story about like uh, apparently people are saying that Google Stadia is essentially dead now. I've been seeing a lot of like that on my timeline, my feeds. So mm -hmm. um, uh, apparently, I don't know, somebody was asked, is Google Stadia still a thing or whatever? And I forgot mm -hmm. what their answer was or whatever. But it was it's interesting. I think that... Uh, um, you know, it's worth noting that we talked about how like they closed all of first party Google Stadia developments already. So yeah, yeah, another nail yeah. in the coffin. Number six, it's interesting that the Mass Effect thing will run better. Um, disclaimer: I work at EA, but I don't know anything about this game. 
uh, will work better on the Series X uh, than than in the PS5, and it it makes me think about how Mass Effect was originally developed as an Xbox exclusive and later I'm ported to yeah. a PlayStation. So, wonder if that has something to do with it. Um, maybe the game is just better set up to uh, to run on Xbox it's back- hardware. It's backwards compatible, so maybe that's probably helping or whatever. Yeah, but also the um, Series X is the most powerful uh, console in the world right now. So I, I believe there was a situation where like the 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 Series X has more uh, like sliders for like how to performance mode and like quality mode or whatever. There's more modes in like Star Wars uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, so uh, than the PS5. So there's something there's something to be said. There's more resolution options too, so there could be something to do with that. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're running the game at a uh, 1440p, um, mm-hmm. but at at that frame rate. But I I don't know. So don't please I don't I don't know anything about this game. Um, so don't quote me on anything. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to comment on here is uh, is the PlayStation story. So that seems very interesting. It makes me think of there used to be like a Nintendo helpline back in the day. Um, I never made use of that. I mean, I, I, I only came to the U.S. when when that was no longer a thing. And uh, either way, I'm probably too young for it anyway. But it's kind of cool that we might see some uh, new version of that coming from PlayStation side. Although it is just a patent, so it might not be anything. We talked about many patents before that have not come to fruition yet. So you never know. Question. Uh, was Konami part of the original list of of, of like partners when Digital E3 got uh, announced? Because it feels like they were part of like the, the talking points. And I stuff think like they that. were. I think they were because I think I remember us being like, what the hell is Konami doing there? <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, they're it's pulling interesting. Off. Yeah. It's interesting that they're like we're like psych. <laughs> uh and I like how like they're I saw their Twitter statement by the way. They're they're trying to be super political and it's like we believe in the ESA and everything like that and blah. We yeah. we know that they're going to be successful this year and stuff like that. And it's like you got to like really like, you know, f- outwardly forward publicly face and say, you know, give them like the nod and stuff like that. And I think it's really funny. Uh you know, yeah. Konami hasn't really done anything of consequence in a while, so as far as I know. Um, so it could be that uh, they really just didn't have anything to show, and it could even be that they come to a mutual understanding that uh, that they shouldn't be there, you know, between them and the <laughs> ESA. I don't know. Um, I can't think know, maybe of how... Maybe Konami really, is planning on coming back in full force and stuff like that, but they don't have their ducks in a row. Like, like you know, we're going to get like, yeah. a new Castlevania, a new Metal Slug, or, you know, uh, a new, a new Metal Gear. MGS, MGS6, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you can, we, we can always dream. All right. All right. We're pushing an hour 40, and yet we're going to be going at <laughs> the topic of the show. Let's do it. It's time for topic of the show. So I gotta say that um, we—it's episode sixty-nine, so we had to make it, you know, sexy. You know, we gotta. I was doing. I was thinking of like a lot of different topics we can do. I was thinking about like you know talking about sex in games and stuff like that, and like examples and stuff. But it really, uh, it really wasn't. Um, it really wasn't a situation where um, I didn't think it was gonna be funny. So what is gonna be funny is if we uh, talk about. You know, video game waifus and video game daddies, which is even more hilarious. And because here at Ready <laughs> Press Play, we are equal opportunity objectifiers of sexes. So yeah, that's exactly. What we're gonna do. No female objectification here without male objectification. We are not sexist. <laughs> we do it right, and I like that. So obviously, you and know, I'm- this is all in good fun. We're just you're we're just fucking around. Um, 
talking about, you know, the video game characters that we find hot. What are the standards for this, Louis? Do the daddies need to be a dad necessarily? Or is it more about the conceptual, you know, sexy yeah, like daddy a sexy character. dream daddy. You know, like uh, there yeah. was a there was a game on Steam called Dream Daddy. Yes. I don't know if you know about that. So I do. And you're like dating all these dads and stuff like that. In uh, fact, let me tell you a little anecdote about that one. Is that you know I never played that game. Leah never played that game. But Leah found online a poster where it's a design of Kratos in the art style of Dream Daddy. <laughs> And it's and he's like all sexy and stuff. And it says, you know, like it's like Kratos Dream Daddy or something. And she was like, I want that. And I was like, no, we're not buying that. We're not we're we're not going to have that in the house. And she bought it anyway. And she framed it. And we haven't hung it up yet. But we're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So pretty much I would say uh, for me, uh, you know, daddy's got to have muscles or something, mm-hmm. something going for them. Uh, waifus. They got to have, you know, the goods. (laughs) And also, separate side note, since we're going to be objectifying both men and women, we're not even going to do that that disclaimer. You know, you know, the disclaimer that people always say, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're we're good here. We're good here. You know, people know our our audience knows that we're, you know, we're just we're just playing around. And it's uh, it's about celebrating, you know, sexy, sexy characters in our in our video games and being weird because it's a special episode. So with that being said, we're going to reveal the top 10 video game waifus and top 10 video game daddies. There and, we go. And uh, Dan and I each brought five of each care, uh, gender, so that way we'll have 10 and 10 when it's all said and done. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and start things off here with, uh, let's go with ladies first here. Let's go with waifus. Um, we'll do, I'll do one and one. I'll do one waifu and one daddy. All right? Okay. So. For the waifus, at number five, or for my number five, I got Bayonetta, which is oh, uh, quite an nice. obvious pick. All right, you know she is like, uh, you know she thick, you know she uh, she she flaunts her sexuality in her games and stuff like that. Like uh, she's uh, she's quite the character if you think about it. You know she's she's badass. She's got lips. She's you know you know with her snazzy yeah. remarks and stuff like that. She's uh, she's a badass. She can kick anyone's ass. And uh, she really messed up the Smash Wii U, Smash 4 meta, uh, you know, and I think that it's, uh, yeah. I remember there was like that tournament where like everybody was just playing Bayonetta and the the audience was annoyed and started booing people and stuff. And yeah, like I, that's the one, you know, I don't know much about her as a character, but I, I have heard women talk about how they like her positive representation of uh, sexuality because like she's not, she's like, she's like a strong um, you know, oh, despite being a sexualized character, she's also like a strong character and has like a strong personality and stuff. So, um, hopefully that's true. You know, I don't, I don't yeah, know too much she about owns, it. She owns her sexuality and stuff like that, but it's not like the thing. It's more of like I guess they're trying to go with like the female empowerment thing or whatever. Uh, yeah, but she, exactly. But she really is more of an ass kicker than she is a sexual being in her games and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, you know start off the list strong with uh, with Bayonetta. And uh, my my that's a good uh, one. My my number five pick for for video game daddies, and I didn't even know about this one. This is somebody like I was just Google searching, like you know. You oh know, my whatever. god! <laughs> and then I came across, uh, of all things, the uh, the professor from Pokemon Go. His name is Professor Willow. And oh uh, really? This, this article. I've seen from, this. This article from BuzzFeed calls him Professor Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, oh, that's hilarious! 
and it says here, and you can see it on my screen if you're looking at my Discord or whatever, but it says here, uh, Professor Willow from Pokemon Go. And then these are like fan-made mock-ups uh, where it says he's got a muscle shirt that says Daddy as fuck or Daddy AF. And then and then he's got like this like chiseled dad bod with some glasses on. It looks, it looks and Pikachu's face looks derpy, by the way, in the background. So uh, I just figured, you know what? I, I, I will say like a Pokemon professor probably deserves to be on this list. I would have probably chosen the main line, but because I saw this, this sexy ass picture, then I'll go ahead and put him here at my number five ranked video game daddies. All right. Sounds good. I will, I will say, uh, I don't know. I just realized, I don't know if you're taking that into account, but I've, st- I've, I'm sticking mostly to uh, characters that I have as like either a personal attachment to, or am a fan of the franchise or whatever. Uh, for my picks, I don't know if you're necessarily doing that, uh, since it came across like you're just kind of Google stuff and whatnot. <laughs> um, but so I may have I may have things that are more like deep cuts, um, even though this feels like a deep cut to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but all right, so let's let's start let's start easy here. So I wanna I wanna give a shout out. I'm gonna I'm gonna t- I'm gonna pick an easy one that you might have picked. Um, I'm gonna go with a classic waifu, the classic hot, empowered female character in video games, which is Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. I feel like most gamers would agree with that. I feel like for a lot of gamers or age, you know, Lara Croft was our first crush in a lot of ways in video games. She's now in Fortnite. She's still relevant. There's still new games coming out or that recently came out that are in development. Obviously, we got the Angelina Jolie Lara Croft in the movies that I just saw you pull up, which Angelina Jolie, by the way, one of the prettiest um women alive in my opinion um and i used to have a huge crush on her like you know celebrity crush on her when i was younger as well and um i don't know just a, just a solid character and i also like how lara croft's design has evolved throughout the years actually uh to make her look more realistic more like yeah. a real person right like yeah a little less of this a little more that <laughs> yeah and, and you know like some some could look at it and think that she was nerfed uh in a way but i i don't look at it that way actually i think that uh Cause, cause it, you know, what people, the people that say look, that are, oh, comp- yeah, look at this. Oh, look at those. That's too unrealistic. <laughs> the waist is way too small in this right yeah. that I pulled up. I know. I know. So they just kind of made her more realistic and I'm okay with that. Um, and the <laughs> funny thing too, is, you know, with games, everything that's rendered in games for the most part is, is made out of triangles, right? Like graphics cars operate with triangles. That's why with game engines, a lot of times they talk about, you know, like triangle counts and stuff like polygonal, that. Oh, polygon count. Yeah. 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 But it's specifically triangles. Like all the polygons, you know, they're based off of triangles put together making the polygons. And uh, when you look at a modern game, you don't real. that's not as obvious. But when you look at the original Lara Croft from the original Tomb Raider and you look at her chest, it's pretty clear that everything's made out of triangles. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. and i always i always think that's an interesting example when i'm like hey did you know that games are made of triangles and then i show them that image <laughs> you know what's kind of interesting is like i wasn't there like a situation where like somebody had like a game shark or whatever and they found a code that could like make uh, Lara croft on the ps1 like naked or something like that or just her you know boobs just show and stuff like that i think that oh was really like- I don't know if that I was feel like, like I urban... might have heard that, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know if that was true, and it feels like it could be like an urban legend kind of thing, where it's like, oh, somebody said that, but you know, never actually happened. So I don't know. That's just kind of funny. I think that, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Lara Croft and and majority of uh, her iterations from different actresses, from Alicia Vikander to to uh, Angelina Jolie to all like the her rebooted like you know post 2013 self, and you know mm-hmm. they're just. 
you know, they're just beautiful women. And uh, sexuality has been like nerfed, which is good for modern age, but you know, people still uh, people still remember sexy Lara Croft. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then for my first daddy pick, you know, I and I have this short list, and I'm kind of I'm kind of making choices on the fly here a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it to Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. And I feel like that's like that's an easy choice as well. This is pretty much the example like, um, you know, the way that the way that uh, straight men have felt about Lara Croft for a while. I think straight uh, and bi women feel now about uh, Geralt, especially in The Witcher TV show, you know, played by Henry Cavill. Uh, and you can see that, the, you know, the show itself also sexualizes the character and shows him, you know, if he, he's shirtless, you know, pretty often and stuff. And uh, he's hot AF. So, you know, I'll, get, I'll, I'll give him that. So I think that's a, that's an easy one as well. I'm glad I told you to come with honorable mentions because both of my both of them that you named are picks that I have in my list. <laughs> so we have room. All right. We have All right. Room, Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. I should have started yeah. with the deep cuts then. I just wanted to I figured I would leave this for those for later to start strong. We got to start strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Henry Henry Cavill uh handsome AF, I would say, and also uh I saw the uh in this uh in the article for like uh video game daddies, they also uh uh, did in fact include uh, Geralt, and if you're looking <laughs> at the screen, you can see like little hand-drawn animated things and stuff like that. Yeah, so good job, internet, for for doing that. Uh, so for my picks for uh, for let's go with waifus, I decided uh, to go with uh, a Mortal Kombat character, and I like I wanted to sort of like do one per franchise, so I didn't want to do like three Mortal Kombat characters for waifus, uh, mm-hmm. but I could I had to decide between uh, Katana, uh, Melina, and Jade. And what's important about Melina and Jade is that they were really sexualized in the in the Mortal Kombat games. A little less so from for Katana, but she was sexualized and stuff like that. But like like uh, Jade and Melina were skimpier, like mm-hmm. than, than 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 Katana. Um, not to say that she wasn't skimpy, you know what I mean? But, uh, I feel like with Katana, I wanted to, I picked her over the other three just because she at least has some class <laughs> and, uh, also blue's my favorite color. So, and, um, yeah, and she looks like really like, and, and like, and she really, really is like, tends to be like very beautiful in whatever iterations, uh, that they have her in, like from like the, the newer games and stuff like that. So, uh, and also I wanted to give a shout out to the actress that played Katana in the Mortal Kombat, you know, 95, uh, you know, she's, uh, she hot as well. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that, uh, Katana definitely, uh, earns a spot in the, in wa- when it comes to video game waifus, uh, pretty easily. I think, uh, from like, you know, the, the, from like the, she covers a lot of bases and stuff like that. She definitely got that Bayonetta vibe going on as well, as far as like, you know, just being able to own her sexuality and being dangerous at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just want to add that uh, it's good good choice. I like your choice, and I I had a, a Mortal Kombat character as well on my short list that I'm not going to be including so that we don't you know it's not too redundant. Um, but the character I had picked actually was one that you didn't mention was the character Sonia Blade, mm. and I'm not a huge Mortal Kombat fan, but the moments that I have played Mortal Kombat, that is the character that I I had a bit of a crush on. I think she's uh, she's pretty as well in a in a different way and. Uh, we're looking at a lot of uh, sexualized <laughs> art this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for my um, 
video game daddies, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, just bump in one of my honorable mentions because uh, Geralt was uh, my number four. So now my new number four is going to be uh, Dante from the Devil May Cry uh, games. And I feel Removing like... Removing uh, that from my short list because that was on my <laughs> short list as well. <laughs> but you know you know what? I will say, yeah, well, I feel like they're... You know, sexuality is pretty uh, easy to, to to pick up on when it comes to video game characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, what's to say? He's got a big sword. <laughs> I should have had his paws in there. <laughs> I should have. Uh, he's got a big Yo. sword. <laughs> sword. Dante is a cool character, and uh, and I've I've met you know um, girls before that that had a big crush on him too, and and I think I do think he he had that that kind of popularity as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was one of my picks as well, and one and one that I was planning on bringing it up, bringing it up soon. So I'm glad that you know we're covering our bases here between me and you. Uh, He's got like uh, his facial features got that like rugged, handsome man thing going on, by the way, and also he yeah. can pull off the emo look as well. Like he's got that emo like uh, rock band kind of like simple plan, good Charlotte kind of vibes that I got from his hairstyle here. But uh, yeah, uh, sorry, go ahead, go. go what were you saying? Also, by far the best character to play as in Devil May Cry Five. So mm. just just laying that out there. Okay, all right. Man, I believe it's your turn. Yeah. My next waifu is going to be a character from League of Legends. I play mm. that game a lot, and it has a lot of uh, different, you know, female characters that are pretty much all pretty, and all the male characters are buff and handsome as well. Um, and this was a hard choice, but I'm going with Miss Fortune. This is a this is a pirate character. Um, she is very hot. She's often presented in in a sexualized manner as well, which is true for a lot of the characters in these games. Uh, but I picked her. Because not just because she's a character that I find pretty and hot as well, um, but also because it's a character that I really enjoyed playing uh, and that I think it's like kind of like a fan favorite character that people enjoy playing in the game a lot as well. She's also kind of easy to pick up, you know, as a good character for people that are playing the game for the first time to uh, to start with. Uh, and yeah, and I, I just thought she deserved, deserved the spot. By the way, my list is not ranked. I'm just kind of going through them. I know okay. I see you're ranking yours, but just just figured I wanted to... Uh, to put that out there. Okay. So uh, that's it for my, my next waifu character there. And uh, my next daddy character. Let me think about this for a second. I am going to give it to Drake. Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Not sure if this would have been in your list as well. I will say that Nathan Drake is not typically a character that is shown in a sexualized manner. And it kind of bothers me to see. Uh, what's his name again? The actor. Um, Tom Holland. Tom- coming up here because i look at tom holland as a child um <laughs> but drake he he does have that like you know like that like hot hollywood actor uh style to him you know like that uh i i i don't know how to, how to explain it in, he in, looks any, like a, like a mark Wahlberg like type of celebrity yeah. looking yeah yeah the people magazine sexiest man alive kind of look to him yeah exactly he's, he's good to look at he's a good character to look at when you're playing the uncharted games so I uh, definitely wanted to give him a shout as well. Oh my god, this is a deep fake of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree. Uh, I don't really. Uh, he wasn't on my my short list, but uh, nor my honorable mentions. But I actually don't disagree uh, with the picks and stuff like that. He's got that swagger, that personality, that wit, those quick yeah. remarks that you know everyone loves and stuff like that. So uh, shout out to Nathan Fillion who played Drake in a fan made oh, film yeah. and stuff like that as well. He was perfect. He did a really casting. good job at it. Yeah. If he was like 15 years younger, like, or 20, 15, 20 years younger, like, and if he, he would have been perfect casting for a, a Uncharted movie. Agreed. 
Okay, so my uh, my next pick here, I decided to go with the Street Fighter series, and uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hot hotties to pick from uh, <laughs> in the Street Fighter um, series as well. Because if you think about it, we have uh, you know uh, I forgot her name is it Armika or she was like she was like in that leotard and her booty cheeks were showing in Street Fighter Five, uh, and also Cami, she's uh, when she wins. She literally flashes her booty cheeks at the screen, like towards the player, uh, and just sort of like turns around and like gives the peace sign kind of thing. You know, <laughs> she's got that like leotard where like it's kind of like a like a you know like like butt floss, like like a g strings, like a like yeah. So it's really it's really interesting that even to these modern day games and stuff like that in Street Fighter Five, she still got those uh, those uh, those cheeks showing and stuff like that. But I decided to go with uh, Chun Li because she is number one, the first uh, female. Well, I'd like to say not the first, but definitely like the first lady of uh, fighting female uh, characters. And not to mention, like, she's uh, been cosplayed a lot. She's iconic. She's in Fortnite. She's got sexy alts, but generally speaking, she tends to uh, keep it classy with her, her, like, original alts and stuff like that. There's, like, a certain, like, um, like a femininity, femininity to her, like, her, her, her demeanor, her, her, like, uh, her dress and stuff like that. And I feel like that's, uh, that's like, mo- like not modesty, but like, what do you call it? Like just something about it is like, it works. And, uh, yeah. uh I've seen many, many people cosplay as Chun-Li at conventions as well. And I think it's like, her look is very iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's Chun-Li. I don't know if you have anything else to say to that. No, that's a good pick. And I could have called that as well because it's, she's, you uh you brought her up before as your favorite female character in a different uh, episode. I think one of the DLCs that we did really early on, in like one of the first episodes of uh, Ready Press Play. Uh, and there's also the Chun Li version that was in Fortnite, um, which which uh, was very curvy, um, like almost <laughs> to like an exaggerated way compared to her original design. But yeah, shout out to Chun Li. Chun Li is so iconic that when when Capcom themselves got the character model wrong in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, they had to patch it to fix it. Her face. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so, enough. My next one is going to be uh, for video game uh, daddies. I feel like this one is a very obvious one, but Sephiroth from the Final Fantasy VII mm. game, he is uh, definitely got. Uh, above above everyone else above cloud above uh the you know the rest of the party i forgot the the guy the big bulky black guy's name uh i can't i don't again not haven't played haven't played any of the final fantasy 7 games uh original nor remake but i know popular culture has given me enough about sephiroth as far as his uh his demeanor and how much he commands the room and is like such a badass yeah. and stuff like that he has that and, like you know that metal head style you know that you know with the long hair and wearing the black and, and you know the wings and and the sword and everything and i yeah I'll, I'll i'll give you that i'll give you that and you know you talked about um you know you talked about Geralt uh having a big sword before but you know <laughs> nobody nobody has it bigger than Sephiroth. that's for sure <laughs> That's for I was sure. about to say that next. He's like, you think Dante's got a big sword? Yeah, Dante. Uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and also shout out to the fact that you know you can play a shirtless uh, Sephiroth in Smash Brothers. He really looks like a Chad. So yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's my pick there. All right, over over to you, Dan. Good stuff. So I've talked plenty of times about the game Catherine. So I just want you to write that. Now you got to make sure you write it with a C. And here's why. And I thought about the game 
Catherine, which I've talked about before. It's kind of like a little bit of like a cult hit that uh, I played for the first time like two years ago, I think. And I I really enjoyed it. Uh, But the thing with this game that makes it very appropriate to be brought up in this context is that it's it kind of is a game about sex alongside a lot of other things. It's a puzzle. It's half a puzzle game, half kind of like a visual novel with like anime cinematics and stuff like that. But the game ultimately is about this guy who is, um, you know, he is in, in a relationship with the girl, but then is tempted uh, by another girl. And then he's experienced like potentially like cheating on her and like having to deal with the, you know, the, the, the decision of who he's going to end up with and et cetera, and the outcomes of the story while he's having these nightmares. And uh, Catherine is the with the C is the blonde uh, girl. It's, she represents, you know, in the story of the game, like the temptation, like he's being tempted um by this girl uh while he's in the middle of a relationship that has gotten stale where you know Catherine with a K kind of represents like the the stability and you know she's expecting him to propose to her and them to get married and stuff and he's he's dealing without this doubt he doesn't feel ready for it and he's getting tempted by this other girl um and you know it's impossible to uh to play the game and I got an immediate crush on this character by the way that she's presented by the way that she acts towards the main character and everything um and it's, it's just it's just it's just one of those characters that i that i had to give a shout out to here okay cool i don't have anything to add <laughs> all right sounds good sounds good and then um you know what i'm gonna give it to kratos from god of war um which i'm not sure if that was in your list but come on <laughs> i i almost considered him but I don't know. I don't feel like the reason why I didn't really uh, consider him is because I don't think that he's been, in my opinion, I don't think he's been sexualized enough or like at almost right. at, uh, almost at all in uh, in popular culture. That's not to say that sexualized art, uh, like fan art, doesn't exist. It just hasn't really permeated. Well, that exists permeated. for anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. But it hasn't permeate, permeated to me in my mm-hmm. in my little bubble, I guess. What I you know, he, he has the, the beautiful buff body. He has, you know, the look. He has the he has the style. He has the stare. Um, oh, I like I like that idea of having Jason Momoa play him as well. I bet. <laughs> I bet he would do a killer job with that as well. Um, dad bod. So, yeah. Look at this dad bod. He, dad bod. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, easy pick, in my opinion. And an actual dad. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like when I think of Kratos, like I think of this. This is what I think of when I think of Kratos. Uh, just right. angry, and like I don't feel. I feel like in my head, I can't sexualize this. This negative energy. Maybe it's because I've seen the poster that Leah bought. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's why. That's why I didn't put him in my in my front row. But yeah, but yeah, no, I'm not gonna like discredit. You know, your 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 pick, by the way. So yeah. Fair All enough. Right. Uh, over to me. Uh, I'm gonna now bring in uh, one of my uh, my uh, honorable mentions over here to my number two spot because you took Lara Croft already. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, put in an actual goddess. Uh, Palutena is oh. uh, definitely one of those situations where, like, oh my, like, oh my god, oh my <laughs> that's god. a weird, <laughs> that's a weird uh, image. Yeah, so Palutena, like, uh, I don't think, I feel like you can't get any uh, any more uh, better than that. I feel like there's something about her is, like, she's uh, very, like, classy, classically beautiful, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, she's also has, like, anime uh, iterations, like, where she's got, like, hand-drawn art style um, in, like, promotional images, like, trailers and stuff like that. And I feel like when it comes to anime, everything's fair game when it comes to sexualization. So, um, yeah, that's why I feel like... Uh, Palutena is uh, quite an obvious pick because you don't, you can't simp harder for. I would say, yeah, 
you can't it's not hard to simp over a goddess is what i was gonna say so yeah oh my god yeah. come i can't believe somebody <laughs> made this <laughs> agreed uh fame don't <laughs> fame don't get mad at me <laughs> don't don't fire us <laughs> <laughs> all right uh for my next pick for for video game daddies now here's a good one here's a here's a great pick here i decided to do a street fighter character uh for daddies and i feel like the best daddy there is uh for as far as male objectification goes has got to be a guile more so than ryu so exactly you can keep talking i'm just he's so iconic like his look is very iconic of course he's got those big jacked arms and stuff like that the hair the silhouette with his hairstyle iconic he's got thighs mad thighs that can do like a like a somersault kick uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, they had to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to play him in his prime in the 90s, the terrible 90s Street Fighter movie as well. So I feel like uh, with uh, with Guile, you know, <laughs> people can cosplay <laughs> him. And uh, yeah, and it takes a certain like body, like uh, skill, like a body type to be able to just rock a, 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 a like a, a muscle shirt, by the way. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, not anybody can can pull off that look with, you know, you got to have a certain tone, a certain body type to be able to look, uh, look that part as well. So, um, yeah, uh, Guile, he's definitely got that, what do you call it? Like a no bullshit personality. He's definitely gets the job done. He's uh, he's definitely got that thing where it's like, damn. So people can simp over him very easily. There it is. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, over I'll, to you. I'll give you that. And the, and the song And the song goes with everything. Yes, it does actually. I think that was a meme, by the way. It's like yeah, uh, the me- that that song can go to anything. Yeah, yeah, I I love that meme. There's there's so many videos on YouTube of them just picking random like scenes of movies and stuff and putting that song in it. And it just works. It literally works oh. with anything. Um, oh my god! All right. By the way, look, I, uh, look at look 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 look. look. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I just um, whatever. Sorry. This is, so. I it's it's getting difficult because now I have you know I only have like two spots and I have like nine options left for wifeless at least <laughs> and uh, and that I know I have a feeling see there's two characters that I could see you're, I know you're gonna pick one of them for your first one um but I'm not sure which one it is yet um you know what I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this next spot to Samus from Metroid now is that your first one pick. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. All right. Well, Samus is just you know she's just the the classic female character. Um, and the interesting thing is like I don't think she was originally sexualized, by the way, because you play the original Metroid game with her just in the armor, and she's just this badass fighter. Every bounty hunter, everybody that played the game at that time didn't know she was a girl until the very end of the game. Um, not but, exactly true, but she was sort of sexualized because if you can beat the game, the original NES game uh, for the Metroid, uh, you if you beat it under a certain time, the less clothes she has when she takes off her armor. So if you beat oh, it at okay. all, she just takes off just the helmet. And if all you right. beat the game in a certain, really the best time, one of the best times possible, then she's in a bikini. Ergo, the Zero Suit Samus alts in the uh, in Smash Brothers, and she's wearing the bikini. That's a fair. That's a fair point. So I. I didn't know or at least didn't remember about that. So I wasn't looking at it from that perspective. So yeah, unfortunately, then she was sexualized from the beginning. But um, I just, you know, I I feel like everybody just loves her as a character. Um, you know, there's been some games that developed on certain parts of her personality that people don't necessarily agree with, aka like Other M. Uh, but still, she's just this, you know, badass, mostly, you know, more, uh, um, I don't know, like, like confident, 
Um, she doesn't need to say a lot, you know, to get to get her point across, bounty hunter, and um, she's just a very great character to uh, to experience in all the games that she's on. Um, she's fun in Super Smash Brothers as well, and it's, it's been around for a long time. And one of those very iconic, one I would say one of the most iconic characters in gaming, um, despite the fact that you know it's not like Metroid is one of the biggest franchises out there in terms of sales, but I still feel like Samus in the armor is a very iconic character um, and a and a hot character uh, on and off the armor, I would say. So yes, yeah. I was gonna. The reason why I put Samus as my number one pick is because uh, she you know she's definitely you know got that like old like classic old school thing going on from like 1986 or whatever when or 85 when she was first mm-hmm. uh created um and so the fact that she stood the test of time and you know she's definitely you know even nintendo themselves you know puts her in a bikini and stuff like that in their first party games and stuff like that and um i think that it, it works um you know again uh, like dangerous and uh and and hot she's like you know doing her thing and looking good too while doing it so i feel like that's <laughs> that's really all you need <laughs> so now- um I got uh, a quick question for you. Let's go for it. Go for it. S- since this was your first one, do you have another uh, honorable mention that you're going to want to bring up instead? Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. uh, just double check. Uh, so, um, like I said, uh, I, I, came, I had two honorable mentions ready to go, so I'm glad I did. Uh, I, I remember like Conan, Conan O'Brien made the joke whenever uh, he was playing as uh, Samus in like uh, in in Smash. Uh, I think Adam in Smash Ultimate or Smash Four or whatever, and he's playing it like when Conan does let's plays for his TV show. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever he was looking at the alts for for uh, Zero Suit Samus, he was like, "Oh, look, that's Birthday Suit Samus." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And separate side note, I think this is her Smash Four uh, pose, and then this is her Smash Ultimate pose. And people were like complaining that her boobs got nerfed uh, between games. So I don't ah, know. Ah, she still whatever. looks great. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, I believe you have a a video game daddy to go. All right. So I'm going to give this one to um, a character from Fire Emblem Three Houses. And it's a character that wasn't even in my playthrough, but was in Leah's playthrough of the game. And I experienced it through, like, watching her playthrough of the game. But it's a character named Dimitri. Um, So Dimitri is um, basically a prince. And but the the thing that is the coolest thing about his uh, presence in the game is that when the Fire Emblem Three Houses spoilers just light spoilers has this time jump in the middle where you start with everybody in high school basically and you're putting together your team and teaching them stuff and etc. And then an event happens and then the game skips into the future and Dimitri goes through the biggest transformation in that game. So like that is the the path that has the biggest change from like you know beginning to end as far as like. The, his character arc and he goes from being this like you know almost like kind of like spoiled seemingly like rich uh you know prince kid that is nonetheless you know really good looking and stuff to becoming this badass armored like grumpy man that's been you know fucked over by life and uh <laughs> you, you know and wants revenge and all these things um, so it's just kind of a cool, like, transformation where, you know, he goes from like, oh, like, he's so cute and a nice character and stuff to, damn, step on me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I wanted to bring him up, um, especially because I wanted to have some Fire Emblem love in here. I had a female Fire Emblem character as well that I don't think I'm going to get to. So, um, Dimitri from Fire Emblem Three Houses is another daddy. Okay. All right. That's, uh, I've been, it's just my first time seeing him in all these Google images and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't have anything. 
I don't have anything uh, negative to say. I think he's. Uh, I think anime is one of those situations where like anything can be sexualized. It's it's so easy. <laughs> so this anime ass art style and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, my uh, number one, my new number one pick, my sudden number one pick is gonna be uh, Quiet from Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh. I feel like uh, with with uh, with you know with this you can't go wrong with uh, this. <laughs> you sexualize yourself. Uh, so she's like, uh, oh my god, there's some cosplay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's uh, uh, definitely uh, one of those situations where, like, I believe uh, in the Metal Gear Solid Five, you can actually partner up with her. She's a boss fight, but she can sort of turn tail inside with you. She's a badass sniper. She's a uh, um, how do I put this? Uh, like very dangerous ass characters stuff like that you know kind of like that Ariana Grande dangerous woman kind of shit so I feel like uh, um, yeah there's this this image speaks for itself so in case you guys don't know for all you listeners uh, MGS5 just imagine uh, a sniper a hot like a Lara Croft looking sniper chick with just no armor on just uh, a little tinsy tiny bra and that's about it uh, and of course some leather pants on of course but yeah that's uh, that's all you need to say. Perfect. That's why uh, uh, that's why it was my honorable mention as well, as well, because I don't have much more to say than that. <laughs> um, that being said, my uh, number one pick is actually from the same franchise. My oh. Number one pick is gonna be uh, I don't know which one. I feel like it's a tie, but I wanna I wanna go with Solid Snake, but uh, uh, Naked Snake is also definitely uh, up there because <laughs> Big Boss is not the same as uh, Solid Snake, but they're clones of each other, which sort of counts and stuff like that but um yeah snake is um he's definitely he's got the iconic voice okay that's number one it's like the voice will get you mm-hmm. all right and he's a badass he can like he's he's like good at close quarter combats he's all espionage and stuff like that he's uh he's definitely got like the best ass in smash Wii for <laughs> brawl they nerfed his ass in uh from brawl to smash ultimate so Everyone is, everyone, no one will ever forget that. Um, and also, he's got a shirtless scene in Metal Gear Solid 1 where they have him all like bondage style and stuff like that, where they had him spread eagle and Ooh, you know, electrocuting him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I guess you didn't know about that scene, huh? Nope. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, there was a whole torture scene. There was a whole torture scene that you're playing through. You got to mash the circle button to survive it. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Um, I would say just I was like as an amalgamation. I would say both Big Boss and Solid Snake. But if you had to pick one, I'll just go with Solid Snake because he's the classier one and the kind the one that we think of. So yeah, and also that skin tight suit, man. It's that's good for espionage <laughs> and it shows your abs and curves. And of course, he's always like you know sort of crawling around like a little GI Joe and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you're right. That's a good one. You so, know the, the poses. That's that's important yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> all right. So to wrap up my picks, here's the thing. I have a lot left and i have a lot that are kind of like deeper cuts and characters that he wouldn't know and stuff like that from some of the games that i've played um but i don't know if i want to do that so i'm gonna end my final waifu in a character that i don't think is sexualized or at least it's not typically sexualized so i'm gonna take it from like a different approach right we, we went through a lot of like hyper sexualized characters but i would say she's definitely waifu material and she's a character that has a lot of different iterations and i just think it's like a strong enough note to end on just for, as it being like a big recognizable character very simple just one word zelda i'll say wow. that you know yeah. <laughs> everybody that's played the legend of zelda you know the many different iterations has had some level of you know relation with zelda i feel like 
I really like the Zelda from the more recent games. So like the Zelda from Breath of the Wild specifically, I think she's very cute. I think I really like her relationship with Link and the way they built that, uh, you know, with the cutscenes and the, the things that you get to experience in the game. I also really like the Zelda in Skyward Sword, um, which I feel like doesn't get enough credit. Uh, but I feel like Skyward Sword was one of the few games that actually kind of built a romance between Link and Zelda in the Zelda universe. Um, and, you know, in different iterations, she's also a very strong character as well. Um, in Twilight Princess, for instance, I remember when you see Zelda for the first time and she's like, um, or not, I don't think it's the first time, but there's the scene with Zelda where she, impo- she seems to be imposing respect and like being a warrior, you know, in, in this, with this, with this army, like behind her and stuff. And like, she seems like she could kick your ass and et cetera. So I like that we have all these different versions of this character and that, you know, it's, she's, uh, I, I feel like she's wife worthy, despite the fact that she's not a typically sexualized character. Yeah, because she's always covered up in all like in a dress, you know, from head to toe and stuff like that. Yes. She definitely, uh, she definitely, and especially with like Breath of the Wild, her iteration, she's very nerdy and very like into studying and stuff like that. And it doesn't seem very uh, like you know. I find that hot. Not as, yeah, she's hot, <laughs> but she's not like she's not like it's not like you know flaunting and stuff like that. It's like you it, you almost want to like you know treat her like a sister in my in my mental headspace and stuff like that. You know, you can't see her that way. And. And here's my final daddy pick, and you're going to hate me for this. You're going to hate me for this. My final daddy pick, Lewis, is Big Daddy from Bioshock. But that's not even... He has daddy in the name. Oh my god. That doesn't even... (laughs) It doesn't even... It's like right there on the... It registers right on, on like right there <laughs> you could have written uh, by big daddy bioshock so uh, you know that's 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 obviously that's a joke pick <laughs> but i just had to do it i just had to do it but i mean i think think everything that he could do with that hand though you know what i mean like <laughs> real, talk about penetration man <laughs> oh man we sound like fucking 14 year olds today um <laughs> but yeah when we get to 69 I want to bring up, you know, I want to bring up a few other things here. Um, all right, go so, list them off. List them off. All right. Or, bring, well, first, bring I want to say Leah. Leah uh, sent me her top fives for this. Okay. Um, so for her waifus, she had Lara Croft like us, mm-hmm. Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, Diva from Fortnite. Um, sorry, not Fortnite. My bad. Diva from Overwatch. I love that you search Aloy and it's showing <laughs> Aloy. Like, uh, <laughs> metal yeah. alloy. Metal alloys. Um, all right, so we're looking at alloy on the screen right now. I mentioned Diva from Overwatch. She also picked Widowmaker, also from Overwatch. She really likes Overwatch. And Ayla the Huntress from Skyrim. Those are five waifus. As far as daddies go, she had Kratos as well. Waluigi. <laughs> Axel Waluigi. from Kingdom Hearts. Geralt of Rivia as well. And Reaper from overwatch okay um as far as my honorable mentions go the only the only guy that i had that didn't come up was actually joel from the last of us yeah i Um, saw that on there or no i saw i saw him come up on my searches and i'm like nah (laughs) (laughs) and uh as far as wife was though i had tharja who is a character from fire emblem awakening um she's kind of like a like a fan favorite character even though she's like a side character um, I had Diva from Overwatch as well. I put in Cortana from Halo, but I felt like we haven't played enough of that to really get much more from it. Um, 
Oh, I like. <laughs> I only now process what you have up on the screen. Uh, I had <laughs> Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy, which she's hot as hell. I only didn't bring her up because I felt like I would be a poser because I never played the. I never played Final Fantasy Seven. That's um, why I said I never played. I, I put in Sephiroth, having not played it, but yeah. played in Smash, so you know counts. <laughs> I had Peach or Rosalina from Mario. Although I would give it to Rosalina, I have a little bit of a crush on Rosalina. Um, Chloe Frazier from Uncharted. Now she's hot. Um, and and Yennefer from The Witcher. So. Okay. All right. That's my long list. Oh man, we're like uh, two and a half hours into this. I know you were right, dude. Oh, you were right. Um, All right. This gonna uh, be. Our, let's let's just go for it. Go. Let's go over to two forty. I believe it's your turn to. <laughs> I can uh, wrap it up relatively quick. Yeah. All right. Let's go. What are you buying? All right. So let's go through our new releases here. Uh, first thing, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance uh, was kind of stealth dropped. Uh, it's already out on PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. I believe this is like a like a remastered or, or a port of the the original uh, Baldur's Gate game. Then we got some new games coming out over the next week. Resident Evil Village, likely pick of the week, is coming out on May seventh for PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. That is, of course, the day that this is, episode is out. The next generation of survival horror rises in the form of Resident Evil Village, the eighth major entry in the Resident Evil series. With ultra-realistic graphics powered by the RE engine, fight for survival as danger lurks around every corner. Set a few years after the horrifying events in the critically acclaimed Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, the all-new storyline begins with Ethan Winters and his wife, Mia, living peacefully in a new location. Free from their past nightmares, just as they are building their new life together, tragedy befalls them once again. When BSAA Captain Chris Redfield attacks their home, Ethan must once again head into hell to get his kidnapping daughter back. Then we also got Hood, Hood Outlaws and Legends coming out on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC on May 10th. Destiny 2 Season of the Splicer is coming out on PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC on May 11th. Assassin's Creed Valhalla Wrath of the Droids DLC is coming out on all these platforms that I just listed before, plus Stadia on May 13th. And Monster Harvest is coming out on PC on May 13th. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, clarify for the Baldur's Gate thing here and just making sure I didn't I didn't say anything wrong. Interplay and Wizards of the Coast have announced that the PS2 original Xbox era action RPG classic Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is being re-released for PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on May 7th. So day off posting. It will be available on digital storefronts only for 30 bucks. Check out the announcement launch trailer above. You can look that up if you would like. Yeah, uh, definitely pick of the week is definitely going to go to Resident Evil. I mean, that's like the big hype release. Um, pro- I don't know when I'll buy it. I'm sure I'm going to buy it, but I probably won't play it. I still, I still, I bought, I bought and only did a Let's Play of Resident Evil 7. That's how much of a bitch I am. Louis, I, uh, something that I was thinking that I think we should do is I think it would be cool if during the month of October, since, since you don't like playing horror games, if we did our streams where you are playing a horror game and I'm just watching you play it. Like, like we do the thing where it's like you play like Resident Evil or something like that. And and I'm just like in the call, like maybe interacting with the chat if anybody's interacting and just kind of commentating and, and hanging out. But then I just want to I just want to watch you play those kinds of games. I just want to watch you get scared, Lewis. We did play Phasmophobia last uh, October. That is we also true. played Left 4 Dead. We that played Left 4 Dead, but that wasn't scary, though. But yes, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. All, All right. right. So let's let's move on to our next segment. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. 
Got our broke gamers guide here starting with the free games in the Epic Store. We got Pine free now until May 13th. And on the next week, the Lion Song is going to be free. Looking at Pine, it's an open world action adventure game set in a simulated world in which humans never reach the top of the food chain. Fight with, with or against a variety of species as you make your way to a new home for your human tribe. Looks kind of interesting. Yeah, um, it does. Then we got some new games coming soon to Xbox Game Pass, Red Dead Online, Final Fantasy X and X2, FIFA 21, and more. So let's go through the list. Dragon Quest Builders 2 is coming to console and PC on May 4th. FIFA 21 is coming to console and PC through EA Play on May 6th. Outlast 2 is coming to cloud, console, and PC on May 6th. Steep is coming to cloud and console on May 6th. Final Fantasy X and X2 HD Remaster is coming to console and PC on May 13th. Just Cause 4 Reloaded is coming to Cloud Console and PC on May 13th. Psychonauts is coming to Cloud Console and PC on May 13th. That's cool. I want to play through the original Psychonauts because I'm actually kind of excited for the Psychonauts 2 coming out later in the year. Red Dead Surprised. Online. Go ahead. I'm surprised that Psychonauts uh, wasn't already on there because that's first party. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I thought it was already there too. But it seems like, you know, rather than just having all the first party games out there immediately from the new studios that they bought, it seems like they're kind of trickling them out. Um, but we'll see. Red Dead Online on Cloud and Console on May 13th. Remnant from the Ashes on PC on May 13th. We also got some updates uh, going to be available for Fallout 76, Gears Tactics, Grounded, Halo Infinite. Um, wait, Halo Infinite? That's a PC update, the one we talked about last week's show. Oh, but the game's not even out yet. No, they're talking about like, hey, by the way, uh, oh, okay. it's coming to I see. You know, features. It's going to be cross-play. The stuff that we talked about for news last week. Yeah, they're reiterating the news. Fair enough. And here are the games that are going to be leaving Xbox Game Pass <sighs> as of May 15th. Alan Wake is leaving console and PC. That's a big one. Battlefleet Gothic Amrata 2 is leaving PC. Dungeon of the Endless is leaving cloud console and PC. Final Fantasy IX is leaving console and PC. Hotline Miami is leaving PC. And Plebby Quest The Crusades is leaving PC. Interesting that Final Fantasy IX is leaving as X and X2 is going into it. It feels like... I was like, literally going to say that next. Yeah. I feel like some of these companies are using a service like Xbox Game Pass to kind of advertise their games. You know what I mean? Like, let's put this game and leave it there for a few months and then we'll take it out so that if people started playing it and they want to finish it, they need to buy it. Or maybe if they like, you know, if they're interested on it, they wanted to play it, but then they didn't have a chance to, then maybe they'll buy it. You know what I mean? Um, and not to mention, anytime a, a, a Game Pass game leaves a, leaves Game Pass, uh, they both, just before it leaves, it goes on sale for Game Pass members. So you get a discount mm. so you can buy it less than like one of my, my nephew, he bought like Batman, uh, one of the Batman games for $5 because it was going to leave. So, you know, Makes it sense. works. All right. Since we talked about Game Pass, let's talk about PlayStation Now as well, uh, which is getting some uh, big additions as well. So Neo is coming to PlayStation Now as well as Jump Force, which is like the anime fighting game that came out a few years ago. Did you ever play that one, Lewis? I have not. Uh, I heard bad things about it, to tell you the truth, but really, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I heard it wasn't, it wasn't that good. And then we also got Streets of Rage 4. So all those games are going to be playable now already, if you want to go on PlayStation Now right now. If you go on PlayStation Now right now, they're available now. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, I grabbed some random Best Buy deals that I saw. Uh, so number one, Burnout Paradise Remastered on the Switch is just $10 right now. And $10 for a Switch physical game? At that point, you're basically buying this game at cost for the packaging. 
You know what I mean? Like for the for the cartridge and the packaging, that's probably already close to being worth ten dollars by itself. So it's very rare that you see a Switch physical game that cheap, which is why I wanted to give it a shout out. Um, and then there's a deal on Best Buy as well that if you pre-order uh, Resident Evil Village right now, which is available on you know PS5, Xbox One, PS4, Series X, etc., you're gonna get a free Steelbook case with it. So if you're gonna be pre-ordering the game anyway, you might want to pre-order it. Or buying day one, right? You might want to do it at Best Buy to get the the Steelbook case. It's always cool to have those. Isn't it a little too late to be pre-ordering because by the time we drop the podcast, is release day. That is true. Well, damn it. <laughs> I, I wonder, it could be that it's not just a pre-order. It could be that it applies to like launch day and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, check it out. <laughs> but ho- hopefully they'll have extra extras in stock or whatever. All right, Louis, that's, that's it. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Dan. At the Dan Lima. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the, all, about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>